Hello guys, Lee here with just a quick note. Uh, you are listening, of course, to our best and worst first-time watches for 2022. As typical with me and my dumbass, especially when it seems to come to these best of worst of shows as of late. I don't have a great track record. I end up fucking things up. At least this time I didn't totally erase or actually just fail to record the entire conversation like I did for 2020. Um... But I did make one little error in this, and I just wanted to acknowledge it in case anyone picked up on it and wanted to go, oh, you fucked up. Uh, I caught it, motherfucker. So here we go. Uh, one of my best ofs was Mad Dog Morgan, and I failed to realize that I had, in fact, had that on my honorable mentions list for last year for the 2021 uh, best ofs. So... I've got it on my best of list for this year. Kind of a screw up there. I did have other stuff I could have put in in its place. But, you know, I'm not going to go back and re-record an entire segment or whatever. So, you just got to live with it. And, I mean, it's a great movie anyway, so you should fucking watch it. Um, yeah. Anyway, enjoy the show, guys. It's a long one, but it's a fun one. Listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. The following podcast contains adult language, adult situations, and spoilers for the movies discussed occur often. You've been warned. Now, take it away, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on sight. It is They Must Be Destroyed on Site, episode 276, and I am your host, Lee Russell, and I am joined by my lovely co-host, Lee Hardy. How are you doing, ma'am? <laughs> That's the first time. I think it's been so, so uh, simple. Yeah. It's <laughs> I was while. just waiting for it. You're like, Lee Russell and... Lee Hardy. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually, I, I kind of caught myself there for a second. It's like, oh yeah, that's right. We don't have 
we I'm used to saying some sort of stupid fucking nickname for us and we don't have one tonight. <laughs> even trying to figure out like our, our name, like even though it's not really that important. It it took me a moment to figure something out because I was like, Oh, that's right, I have a movie to go off of. <laughs> yeah. I mean I suppose I could have went like randomly through my list of movies and found some quotes, but I mean yeah. it's fine. Anyways, I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? Ah, not bad. You know, living. So that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's about, it's about as all, all I can ask for these days. So, um, <laughs> Jesus, you're not that old. Stop it. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. It's just oh, life, life, yeah. life kind of sucks recently, but you know, um, mm-hmm. 2022 is now a distant memory. We will never uh, talk about it again. Yeah, we'll never talk about it again, <laughs> except for the movies that we watched for the first time. And we will uh, talk about all the ones we liked. Talk about all the ones we hated, and talk to all about all the ones that were just kind of like, yeah, eh, they were all right, but they didn't make the best of list, you know. It's self-explanatory, people. Like, <laughs> you know, there's there's no way you wander into this and not know what you're getting into, even if you're a first time listener. So, uh, yeah, it, yeah, 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 yeah. Best of, worst of. I was I was talking with Lee before we started the show. I've got eight honorable mentions, and I'm, I've got twenty best of, and you got fifteen best of. Yes, I have fifteen best of. Yeah, and how many honorable mentions did you have? I have four honorable mentions and ten worst. Yeah, and I got ten worst as well. So uh, we'll, we'll just like talk about our honorable mentions when we get to them. We'll just go through them real quick. Each take turns doing that. And then when we get to our top 20, I'm probably going to talk about my first, you know, 20 to 16 really quick, and then we'll start trading. Back and forth. Back and forth, yeah. That's the way it's done. Um, (laughs) How professionals do it. So we're going to take a quick break, play some music, podcast promo. Going to come back, and we're going to talk our uh, honorable mentions and our uh, best of list. And uh, I don't know about you, Lee, but uh, I think. We got this, man. We got this by the ass. You ungodly warlock. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the planet Earth. How peaceful it looks. <laughs> Most effective, Your Majesty. Will you destroy this earth? Destroy it utterly. Send Rick and Danny in wool rocket Ajax. So, just destroy it? That's what Ming said. Don't you ever listen? Well, there's no arguing with Ming. Hail Ming. Wait, you see those transmissions on the visual screen? Crow? Nightmare on Elm Street? Should too? Black Belt Jones? Nightbreed? What's a critter? Oh, I've seen those things. Flash? I guess we could wait a while before the destruction. Yeah, and watch the movies. And talk about them. The Helming Palawa. Disobedience to Ming for now. You can find us at Legion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, iTunes. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. At WW. You know what? Just Google it for yourself. Just Google it, you bastages. Hey, Ming. Breaking two? 
Electric Boogaloo? Samurai Cop? Army of Darkness? Flash Dance? <laughs> <laughs> we might destroy the planet if it's Flash Dance. You ungodly warlock. food i'm not helping this is the uh these this is the perils of uh podcasting especially when you're not a professional so that's it's fine um but yeah so we're gonna get into our honorable mentions first so uh i got a little uh thing here just a little golf clap for the honorable mentions that's that's all they get. Oh, we got uh, we got our friend Greg in the chat, by the way. Yeah, I forgot to mention, this is live because I've been having trouble, like, the program I use to rip uh, the stream off YouTube later in the private hangout. I feel like something to do with it being a private hangout is, is fucking with it. 
So uh, I'm trying this live to see if it ends up giving me better results when I finally rip the audio from this and edit it and all that shit. So uh, anyway, Greg is in the chat and he's been on the podcast before a couple times. And uh, he asked, where the, where's the nudity? I informed him that we were just on here live because I do this as a joke. Oh, Yeah, I informed him because I was like, hey, we're live, but it's not. Or I said I said it's just talking about movies, so it's only partially, partially is fantasy. Yeah, you know, it's kind of only fans, but the PG version. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, honorable mentions. Uh, you said you had uh, four. You said you had. I have four. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, I'll let you get to yours first, then. Okay. So, um, the first one on my honorables, honorables, my honorable, oh. uh, is Once Upon a Deadpool. Okay. Um, the reason for it was because they did the whole uh, Princess Bride thing for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just like basically did um, an R-rated version of the movie. So it was just kind of a, a rehash of what was already there. But I still thought the little parts that they added made it like anybody who loves the movie, it was like a little bit extra to kind of enjoy it in like a different way. Yeah. But, so not... Worthy to be on the best, though, because that's like a rehash of an idea. Really clever, but cannot be on the best of. And then I have... Okay, so I have Encanto, because I had to watch it so many freaking times. (laughs) But uh, I thought for uh, a kid's movie, uh, it was really well done. It had uh, an actual good moral of the story type thing. So the lesson actually learned is not just fall in love when you're 16 and marry the first guy who kisses you when you're sleeping. Um, whoa, what? <laughs> like most Disney movies. Yeah, I guess so. There is there is a lot of non-consensual kissing in Disney movies. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah, so uh, I, they've, uh, they've definitely changed over the years for sure. But this one was really good. It was really well done. I, I just appreciated The music was really good. Everything just just cute, cute story. And like I said, it was uh, definitely a nice um, change for like the hero and all that stuff. And then next is Lust in the Dust. Yeah. Um, I absolutely love this movie. The only reason it didn't make my top was because I found there was just areas that just kind of didn't it, work. It like, dragged, yeah, it dragged a little bit in spots, right? Yeah. So it had a lot of potential. I thought it was really funny. It's definitely something I'm going to watch again. It just didn't feel right to put it on my top 10 because there was just parts that just lagged and I'm just, just, just missed the mark. It just missed the it's mark. Still cool. an awesome movie. Um, that's why I want to put the honorable. Uh, I absolutely love the divine. Like she was hilarious mm-hmm. in the movie. She makes it worth it. And, um, I can't remember, uh, the other actress that was with her, but, uh, oh, um, for my uh, big wedding. Yeah. No. See, this is why I was supposed to pull this up, but I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. I tried. Uh, Lainey. Lane, yeah, Lainey Lane, Kazan, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were both, like, they made it worth watching the movie because they were both just, just this big characters that were absolutely hilarious. I love them both. And then my last one. Okay, so this was kind of funny. The movie itself, I don't think anything, like, good or bad of it. Like, it was just okay. Mm-hmm. It was the fact that they sang the storyline. And the movie I'm talking about is Kioma. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, from 1976. Mm-hmm. It is getting the honorable mention because they literally sang. They sang the whole movie. They're like, this is what happened so far. I hope mm-hmm. you were caught up in the movie. <laughs> Just, <laughs> the movie itself, I I don't know, it dragged for me, but 
Mm-hmm. Just watch it's like I, I think everyone should just watch it just to hear that because I think it's just a good laugh. It's hilarious. It's just just something that's so silly. Yeah, <laughs> I know then, it's a serious movie, but Yeah, and then listen to our uh, episode with Mike and Bobby from the Grind Bin because that was really fun. Yeah, it was really fun. I uh, I enjoyed that. All right. Uh good list, good list. Uh so I've got eight on my honorable mentions here, so I'll go through them as expediently as possible here. First one I'm going to mention is The Demon from 1963. This is directed by Brunello Rondi, and it's uh, basically an Italian folk horror movie about a, a witch in a, in a small, isolated village in Sicily, I guess. I think it's Sicily. I, I might be mistaken on that. But she uh, basically is trying to cast a love spell on, on this punk in the village that she's got the hots for and this guy is like the stupidest man alive because she's the hottest chick in the village yet he doesn't want her the the interesting thing about this is that it kind of just allows me to go exorcist you hack because we did like in the last year or so watch the restored version of the exorcist for your uh, film class and yeah one of the restored scenes in that is the uh infamous spider walk down the stairs or whatever where she's leaning backwards and yeah. going downstairs. They do that in this film in nineteen sixty three though <laughs> no not at all um and it and it's a good little black and white folk horror film uh it's got some good performances and stuff it kind of drags a little bit but you know, so it's it's not perfect. So that's kind of why it's on the honorable mentions. But I think it's uh, worth checking out. Next one I'll mention, Three the Hard Way from 1974, uh, directed by Gordon Parks Jr. Uh, we did this with uh, my friend Cameron Scott from our Last Call at Torchies podcast, where we uh, talk about Walter Hill films. And uh, this one is notable for being the team up of the three big uh, black exploitation stars of the time, Fred Williamson, Jim Brown and Jim Kelly. It's not a. It's not exactly you know like a clockwork great movie. Uh, you know as far as it's put together, like it, it does meander in places, but it's got these three guys in it, and they're really good, and they work off each other really well when they're allowed to actually you know be together in the same scene. And there's some good stuff in it, and it's generally enjoyable all around. Uh, next one I'm going to mention is Wheelman from 2017. Uh, it's directed by Jeremy Rush and it stars uh, Frank Grillo, who is sort of like a minor action star around now. Like he, he for the last few years, he's been kind of popping up in all kinds of stuff, big and small. He was crossbones in some of the MCU films. That's probably his biggest exposure. But uh, this is a film he helped produce, and it's a really good one. It's just a solid little like '70s style low key crime film about a getaway driver who gets in over his head with some double crosses and stuff like that. And uh, uh, it's, it's really good. It's, it's nothing super special, but it's, it's a good little bit of uh, genre filmmaking that I wanted to point out, especially because Frank Grill is usually in like really shitty action movies. And this is, this is a good, a good one where it actually uses his talents properly. So I, I liked it. Next one I'm going to mention, this is what one you mentioned, lust in the dust, 1984. Paul Bertel and same reasons you mentioned that we talked about as why it's not on the top 20 for me, but it's really, really, it's really, really good. And I mean, we, we're also kind of spoiled because we've, we've watched a lot of good, like Paul Bartel divine films, yeah. adjacent films in the last year or so. And so, you know, it, it just kind of ranks a little bit down. It's kind of like mid tier yeah. instead of like the top of the top. So there's like definitely parts that, 
make it a must watch. Just mm-hmm. like we said, it just there's moments that just lags. Yeah. Uh, next, one I'm going to mention, and um, this is uh, your continued efforts to make me watch uh, Muppets films, and I've been enjoying it so far. So it, it is good. Good times. Uh, we watched this together: The Muppets Christmas Carol, 1992. Ryan Henson. <laughs> And I thoroughly enjoyed this one. This is this is a great film. Really good attention to detail when it comes to recreating uh, a scale version of uh, London from you know Victorian times London. It's got a, a bunch of good songs in it. It's got Michael Caine in it playing Scrooge, and and he's doing a really good job too. He's not just being a mean old piece of shit. Like he actually gives a very grounded human performance and you kind of understand why he's a piece of shit and i thought it was really really well done and it's just really fun and charming because it's the muppets doing their thing and i i thought um for like a kids movie michael Caine's performance was pretty freaking phenomenal mm-hmm. like when i watch it now as an adult i'm like there's a lot of effort put into that like it's not cheesy or anything like it's you feel pain for scrooge like that and even though they're like cartoon characters he just does it so well Cartoon, mm. sorry, they're Muppets. Yeah, same difference. Mm-hmm. Live action cartoons, basically. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's one of the best Scrooges I've seen on screen. Although a lot of the times Scrooges are a dime a dozen, has done been done so many times by so many different people. But like I rank his up there. I think uh, what's the one? Alistair Scrim. I think is the fucking dude's ne- or dude's name or something like that. I can't. I'm, I'm blanking on it right now. But um, that's really good. And then Patrick Stewart actually did a really good Scrooge, kind of similar to Michael Caine's, where he really brought a, like a really human side to the performance. But uh, yeah, Muppets Christmas Carol, excellent stuff. Uh, next, we're going to mention Nope from 2022, Jordan Peele. I think it's a little bit of a lesser effort than um, Get Out. And I think it's a little bit better than Us. But it's an interesting one. It, it, I, I just feel like I need to rewatch it a couple times for it to all come together for me. But the stuff I did like in it was enough for me to put it on my honorable mentions. Just because he does a really good job of building suspense and just like putting uncanny visuals on the screen that kind of unnerve you and make you think like, what the fuck is going on? And And he does a good bit of like subversion of your expectations of what's actually going on in the film. And I think it's, I think it's pretty damn good. And I I know a lot of people are like kind of confused by the um, flashbacks to like the, the uh, monkeys subplot where like an ape, like a trained ape goes crazy on the set of a sitcom and kills a bunch of people in the cast of the sitcom and how they don't get how it relates to the film. But if you watch it a couple of times, it it does become quite obvious what it's like alluding to. It's, it's kind of, you know, um, uh, thematically connected to what is happening in, in the present in the film. So pretty good stuff. Another one I'll mention here, Come to Daddy 2019 by Ant Timpson. Uh, this has Elijah Wood in it and Stephen McCaddy, the dependable Stephen McCaddy, great Canadian actor. And this is Elijah Wood. He's an estranged kind of effete uh, son who uh, comes to see his father and uh, his father is a piece of shit. And we learn about all of his devious fucking underhanded doings. And, uh, Elijah Wood gets in over his head and it, it, it goes weird places. It goes fucking weird places. I don't want to give anything away, but it, it's a very awkward, cringy film in a way. 
but it's intentionally that it's like it's supposed to make you feel like really awkward and like oh no no please don't it does a very good job of it and final one on my list for honorable mentions uh, the Bravidos from 1958. This is a Henry King Western starring Gregory Peck. It's got some notable uh, other Western actors and just, you know, big time tough guys, bad guys of the time. Uh, Lee Van Cleef and Henry Silva in it. And it's a Gregory Peck going on revenge film. But it has some twists to it in the end where it, it goes in an unexpected place. So it's not your standard revenge film. I feel like the only thing that sort of keeps it off my best of list is it could have gone darker than it did. It kind of wraps up in a typical kind of safe Western kind of way. I I feel like it it had the opportunity to go a little bit darker and it probably would have been a bit more satisfying, but uh, it's still a really good Western. So uh, I'll leave it at that. So yeah, that's, that's the honorable mentions. Uh, And uh, Hey, Greg's still watching. He says, Nope was my least favorite of uh, Peel's movies. Yeah. Fair enough. Sorry, I was chewing. Um, <laughs> I've only seen uh, Get Out, so mm-hmm. I'll have to watch the other ones. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I think that at some point we should just watch us together or something like that. And That'd be cool. Yeah. What do you think of that? Yeah. Yeah, I'd be down. I'd definitely yeah. be down. Very cool. Very cool. Mm-hmm. All right, so we can move on now to our uh, best of lists. Ooh, exciting! Yeah. So. That is the best of. <laughs> uh, someone, someone named Dylan Goodluck in the chat says Bob Peck is better than Gregory Peck. I'll take your word for it. I don't know who Bob Peck is. <laughs> um, I don't know. And then, anyway, I got a, a top twenty as I said uh, earlier in the uh, in the show, and uh, Lady Lee has a top fifteen. I was slacking this year for watching movies. I apologize. That's fine. You were busy. You, you actually have you actually have a life with things <laughs> happening. I, I had much more free time. So basically, what I'm going to do is I'm going to troll through my 20 to 16 real quick, and then we'll start taking turns on uh, our last 15. Uh, on this Perfect. Episode. I have yeah. one spring roll left to eat, and then I'll be done munching. <laughs> <laughs> that works. We've timed this perfectly. Who says we're not professional? Um. So my f- number 20 is a bloody muscle bodybuilder in hell from 1995 uh, by Shin- Shinichi Fukazawa. I think I did all right with that. It is basically Better just watch out. Someone might yell at you. <laughs> yeah. Someone might, you know, think I don't know about feudal Japan or something, you know, and really complain. And then Lady Lee's going to have to rant again against this guy. But yeah, no, uh, bloody muscle bodybuilder in hell. It it kind of does everything it says in the uh, title, uh, which is good. It is basically a Evil Dead ripoff, but it you know it's set in Japan instead. Uh, it's got uh, spooky Japanese ghosts, but not the although they look like the ones from uh, the the Grudge and uh, the Ring. They act a little bit different. Uh, it's more it's they're they're more kind of deadites from Evil Dead. So that's a little bit more refreshing. It's very gory. It's very low budget. It's it's I, I believe it was, if I'm not mistaken, it's shot on video. 
um, uh, like VHS. And uh, it's so it's got a very it's got a very cheap indie aesthetic to it, um, but it works. It, it's 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 very entertaining. It, it's pretty much nonstop, just action and gore and craziness. And uh, if you like Evil Dead, you'll like it. I think it's it's very like very my much kind of new game. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, although you know it is subtitled, so you might have I to take you, you might have to take your focus pills. Pop your pop your focus drugs. I can do subtitles with uh, movies on a. Without my focus pills, so thank you very much. Did they did they did they let girls read in your part of the country? I didn't realize they did that. Okay, <laughs> go fuck yourself. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I can read more than you can read. Sure, <laughs> I can read gooder than you. Um, <laughs> yeah. So my number nineteen is Mad God from twenty twenty one. This is Phil Tippett noted stop motion effects guy and this is really really good it it, it kind of lacks a story like there is a story there but it's not the important part of it the important part of it is the visuals where this looks like a tool video stretched to feature length it's just got some of the best stop motion fucking stuff as this uh, character is lowered into this hellscape different levels of this hellscape with encountering all these weird creatures and uh, alien atmospheres and it just absolute fucking nuts. Um, it's just a visual feast and it's, it's such a amazing accomplishment that it's worthy to be on the top 20 list. It is worth checking out. If, if you like, uh, you know, traditional, more traditional special effects and practical special effects and stop motion, you're going to like it. Greg says Bob Peck played Robert Mo- Muldoon in Jurassic Park. Girls can, and girls can read only from, from the, the Bible. Bible. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Bob Peck. Okay. Oh, okay. I, I get, I get what Dylan's saying then. Okay. That didn't register, register with me. I'm not like the biggest Jurassic Park fan. So that didn't. Number 18, weird. The Al Yankovic story by Eric appeal. This is fucking great. It's Daniel Radcliffe playing Weird Al, young Weird Al, and uh, he does a great job of it. It's done in the style of uh, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, so it's it's very much a parody, um, very much sending up music biographies, uh, VH1 specials, and you know behind the music and shit like that. Like it's very much sending that shit up, and it's just zany and wacky. It's full of lies full of distortions and it plays it and it kind of plays it straight in the sense of like oh yeah no this is he dated madonna madonna killed him uh <laughs> you know it, it just alternate history stuff it's fucking beautiful it, plenty of jokes land it's got all these uh cameos of people playing other famous people like you, you go to that uh, pool party for dr demento and like there's someone playing divine and nina west yeah nina west that's right um so like yeah, it, it's it's a lot of fun. It, you know, it's not super deep or anything like that. It's it's just an enjoyable comedy, which I rarely run into enjoyable comedies these days. So like I, I had to put it on the list. My number seventeen, Windy City Heat, directed by Bobcat Goldwaith. And wow, this is a documentary. Uh, Perry uh, Carvello. I'm still not sure if he's in on the joke or not. I I get a feeling he's not. I get a feeling he is. Oh, I remember you talking about this one. Mm-hmm. Either way, I don't feel bad about it, even if, if he's being exploited at this point, because I've seen enough of his stuff to know he's a piece of shit. 
<laughs> like he's he's a delusional, talentless fucking hack, but he's an incredibly entertaining character at the same time. So this documentary where they play this elaborate prank on him, where he thinks he's going to be starring in this movie called Windy City Heat, and he is just a hundred percent committed to being the star of this movie, and then everybody just fucks with him constantly and it's all about his reactions to being fucked with and it's hilarious i can't believe it took me this long to watch it because i'd heard about it for years but yeah it's it's fucking great it's it's really entertaining watching him freak out is amazing because he goes from zero to 20 just like that a drop of a hat you know and and he's 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 such a piece of shit like he's this homophobic creepy fucking ass who it's he just deserves everything he gets I'm <laughs> sorry he, he's he's delusional like he's legit brain damaged so that's part of the probably part of the reason but i got, I got a feeling he was a piece of shit even before he was brain damaged so um there we go windy city heat oh my god mm. going to hell. <laughs> hell doesn't exist it's fine um and my last one uh number 16 uh, from 2005, this is Grandpa uh, by Giuseppe Andrews. And uh, Giuseppe Andrews w- is an interesting character. He's was a minor like star uh, sort of actor in the 90s. He was in Detroit Rock City and a couple other things. Um, and he's gone on to be like a musician and director. He's directed tons of films. I can't remember the, the exact amount of films, but he just does all kinds of low budget indie films where he basically like uses people who live like he knows from trailer parks and stuff like that. And you, it's it's kind of like trailer park boys in a way, but like the much more authentic version of trailer park boys, even where he just, gets, <laughs> he just gets these people and makes movies with them. And, and grandpa is like a, perfect example of the kind of stuff he does this this is a road trip movie where these these brothers take their grandpa who is this enfeebled like looks like he's on death's door old perverted foul mouth grandpa and they're like grandpa we heard all these the, you know we want to do something nice for you we heard all these stories about how you went to this uh, stripper bar back in the day or whatever and, and fuck this this whore and and he's like yeah that's that's i've told that story and well we're, we, we we want to see this place we want to go to that place so they go on a road trip to go to that place and then they just get into weird adventures i will i will say you know content warning some of these some of these people you know they're not necessarily trained actors or anything they just say stuff that they would normally say as people who live in trailer parks and kind of fit that white trash kind of aesthetic. So there's, there's some end bombs and stuff thrown in that movie, but it's, it's Greg's a, kind of movie. Maybe, but it's, a, <laughs> it's, a, it's incredibly entertaining. This, this is one I'm probably going to, you know, screen at some point for, for our uh, mutual acquaintances, uh, mutual on, acquaintances. On, movie, on movie nights. <laughs> Those are my first five, so we can now uh, start trading uh, our top, our top fifteen, I guess. Um, our top fifteen. Yeah. So We're uh, our top fifteen. You, you go first. All right. Perfect. So, uh, in number fifteen, I have Rock and Roll High School from nineteen seventy nine. I um, I don't really have much to say about this movie other than it's just fun. Like mm-hmm. that's it. I thought the choices of the actors that they picked uh, were great because they just had like they just 
you saw they just had fun making this movie. Like, yeah. That's all. That's that's literally all I can say. It's um, it's got some good music. <laughs> it's got good acting. It's got a good story. Um, it's just silly. Like it doesn't take itself seriously. So it's very silly. It's a good movie. I like yeah. it. it. It's a goofy, fun movie. Um, it has uh, Mary Warnov and Paul yeah. Bartel. Yep. Like two people that we've watched many movies this year. Yeah, I thought she was great playing like the asshole principal. Like she was so perfect at that. And uh, Paul Bartel doing the whole like uh, science teacher who's like discovering the Ramones. Yeah, he, 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 he wants to be hip with the kids, but he's like a yeah. total dork. Yeah. He's like the, yeah. And I, it's just very lighthearted, very fun, very goofy, just wonderful. It's a, it's a feel good movie. It's, mm-hmm. It's a fun musical, um, and it's not like all other like it's a different kind of musical too. Yeah. So it's kind of a different take. And yeah. Anyways, yeah. Like I said, fun. I like it. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I'm glad you liked it. Uh, my number fifteen is X from 2022. This is uh, written directed by Ty West, and uh, of course, it's starring uh, Mia Goth, who is amazing. Jenna Ortega, who is now more well known from the uh, Wednesday uh, TV series on Netflix. Yeah, this is just a really good '70s set in the '70s slasher that revolves around a you know amateur porno outfit, basically uh, going to shoot some. Uh, porn in a in a cottage that they they rented on a farm and they're the you know they got aspirations to uh hey we're gonna we're gonna like get into this uh, burgeoning uh you know uh, vhs uh tape market where we can start selling these pornos and stuff and because it's set in like 78 or 9 or something like that is when it's set and they run foul of the people who own the farm because uh, the old lady of, of the couple is crazy and the the old man kind of indulges her craziness and she's a horny, crazy old woman. And when her advances are spurned, people start to die. It kind of homages several sort of period uh, slasher movies of the of the day of that time. Uh, it's definitely got some che- Texas Chainsaw Massacre influence, some Eaten Alive influence. I thought it was really well done. It's an excellent, excellent movie. And uh, I haven't seen the prequel that came out uh, the, sa- the same year, um, uh, Pearl, but I heard that it's also really, really good. So uh going to check that out and get more. And then uh, Mia Goth plays both the old woman and the final girl in this film, by the way. So so she, do- she does the old the old woman makeup thing, and it's really well done. Like, I, I couldn't tell. <laughs> she looked like an old woman. And it's a great performance from her. So uh, really good stuff. Nice. Yeah. So you're number 14. Uh, 14 is Thank You for Smoking. Uh, hmm. 2000. I'm getting two different dates. One says 2006, one says 2005. So either way, hmm. one or the other. <laughs> so this movie has some, a lot of big names. I didn't realize how many they had. So it has uh, Aaron Eckhart, mm-hmm. Rob Lowe, Adam Brody, uh, Katie Holmes, Sam Elliott. Yeah. And uh, J.K. Simons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, it's a little lower on the list only because I did see it when I was a lot younger, but I don't think I finished it because mm-hmm. I don't remember it. But um, I rewatched it, so technically it's a rewatch, but from like officially finishing it, rewatch. I don't know. I think the storyline was just hilarious because it was this guy who was trying to show his son how his job is not terrible. Mm-hmm. And the whole time is all these people saying like, he's an awful human being. Cause he's murdering so many people yeah. and he's like twisting it, his words and like 
making it seem like it isn't. I don't, I just, I also, what I thought was really cool about this movie, it's about smoking. They talk about him smoking. There's not one person who smokes actual cigarettes. There's one guy who has a cigar in his mouth at one point, but there's absolutely no cigarettes in this movie, like Mm. zero, which is hilarious because when I saw this, I was like, oh, I haven't seen anybody smoke. And they talk about it all the time. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I, I remember enjoying that. I only watched it once back in the day when it came out. And I remember enjoying it quite a bit. So, yeah, probably going to have to revisit that at some point. Yeah, yeah. I, I was. I, was, I think I watched it when it first came out. So I would have been, it was 2006. I'd have been like 16, I think. Wow. No, 2006. 14? 16? I can't remember. Anyways, I can't do math right now. You're so young. Whatever. Anyways, but uh, I don't think I didn't watch the whole thing because my parents were watching it mm-hmm. and uh, it wasn't something that really interested me. So I just like left the room, did my own thing. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember when I saw this I read, or not when, but I remember seeing part of it. I never finished it. So I finally decided to finish it because I found it on a streaming service. Um, yeah, I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny and I thought it had a, just a hilarious uh, kind of perspective. I'm just going to catch up with the chat here, by the way, too. Uh, our friend uh, Jamie is also in the chat, and he said uh, that the Weird Al Yankovic one was great. Uh, Dylan Goodluck also chimed in on that, said, watch Weird the other night. feel like it never quite went as wacky as Walk Hard. Eh, I, don't, I don't know about that. I, I, I'd argue it, it, it goes in some wacky spots by the, by the end of it, uh, especially where it turns into an 80s action film. Um, yeah, teach their own. Okay, uh, my number 14 is Prey from 2022, directed by Dan Trackenberg. Um, Of course, it's starring the uh, very amazing Amber Mid-Thunder, who just fucking brings it in this one. Um, And it's the, uh, you know, the the new Predator film that no one expected to be good. And it turned out to be really, really fucking good. So win-win. And it kind of proves, it's kind of a proof of concept film, too. It's like, we can now do this like we can pick any historical period and we can stick a predator in it. And as long as we have a good protagonist to fight the predator, we can basically just remake predator forever. And, you know, we You're don't have wrong. to, like it. yeah, we, we don't have to do the, these stupid offshoots. We don't have to do aliens versus predator or anything like that. We can, we can make these uh, slightly lower budgeted predator films for like Hulu or whatever. And, and make it work. So like, and, and I thought it was great. I, I thought it was really well done. I thought um, there were, there, there was definitely, you know, some CGI stuff going on. That was a little, eh, but there was also practical effects. Um, the action was good. Sure. People complained. Oh, there was some implausible action stuff in it. And we're like, oh, shut the fuck up. Cause none and, of the other ones had that. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. The, the other predator films were super believable, you know? Like it, it, it just sounds like people looking for excuses to like to tear it down because you know it's so woke because it's got a girl in it, you know. Like oh fuck off. It um, made sense though because like a lot of uh, men are taught to hunt, mm-hmm. so it just kind of took on that perspective of saying someone who was trying to teach herself how to hunt, but was also very aware of her surroundings because of like being on the opposite side. So it just kind of made sense that she kind of used both skills together and that the guys died first because they're the hunters. They're the ones that are like out there, be more aggressive Well, she has the prey. So she was trying to be more careful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So your number 13. Um, My number 13 is eating Raul from Mm. 1982. Uh, Again, it's uh, our famous 
awesome people that we love, Paul Bartel and Mary Warnoff. Mm-hmm. That movie, it was just silly. <laughs> it was the most ridiculous movie I think I've watched all year. Like, mm-hmm. just the couple, it's just this boring ass playing couple. And they end up, uh, some guy, swinger guy from the wrong apartment ends up in their apartment. Um, they end up uh, whacking him over the head with a cast iron. He dies, and they don't know what to do with the dead body. Then Raul, it was Raul, right? I'm not. Mm. That's what I'm saying. Raul, yeah. Raul comes in. Handsome man comes in, and he's like, "I can help you." And they sell the bodies. So now they're just like killing bodies to try and get like money because they're making tons of money off of this because they're trying mm-hmm. to buy their dream home. Yeah, the restaurant they want to get right. Yeah, yeah the dress restaurant. Yeah, they want to buy the dr- restaurant. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's just great. And then like she ends up being interested in Raul because he's dangerous and like sexy. And mm. Paul Bartels is like boring house husband who's bland and who we uh, <laughs> we we kind of suspected is actually portraying a gay man, possibly a closeted gay man in the film. Yeah, yeah. But it's just uh, it was just great fun. Like it was just a like there were so many plot holes. There were so many like uh, things that were just made it completely unbelievable but that's the thing like it wasn't a serious movie it was just mm-hmm. them taking a situation and just being entirely ridiculous with it and i loved it like seriously once a guy walks in the house he's like yeah i'll sell that dead body for you like mm-hmm. it was just and they're using the cast iron so they had that cast iron that they used in their kitchen instant death <laughs> they bought the restaurant yeah mm-hmm. oh great it was great yeah okay my number 13 and this is one you're not gonna like um it's the Batman from 2022, <laughs> directed by Matt Reeves. Uh, of course, Robert Pattinson stepping in as the younger Bruce Wayne. Uh, and then, of course, you have some notable people in here, including Colin Farrell playing the Penguin in like some of the best makeup, where he's just unrecognizable. I know you didn't like this one because it's a much more stripped-down Batman, where he's actually doing detective work and not a lot of ass-kicking. He's barely doing detective work. Calm down. Calm down. I liked it. I, I think it's Maybe a good. They just turn the lights on. They'd find things. I kind of wonder now that you've got your uh, now that you got your pay attention pills. Uh, I kind of wonder maybe if 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 you if you took a second swing at it, you might enjoy it more. I wonder. I kind of wonder. I kind of wonder because it is a long movie. It does have stretches of just like nothing going on other than you know Batman doing detective work or the Riddler doing his shit. But I liked it. I, I thought it was a good basis to like build the new Batman franchise on, and I, I want to see where it goes. So uh, I thought it was pretty good. Okay. Okay, calm down. <laughs> <sighs> Your number 13. Uh, okay, my number 13. Or me, my number 12? I think we're on 12. Are we? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. you're, you're yeah. 12. My number 12 is a uh, brain scan from 1994. Okay. Yeah. I, um, it was a, I had a hard time deciding if this was going to make it an honorables or if where I was going to put it on my list only because I found there was parts that lacked in it, but I did find the actual story really clever. Mm. And uh, I also found that um, uh, T Ryder Smith mm. was such a good trickster. Like he just did such a good job. Um, I found I did find the acting good all over. Like it's nothing that mm-hmm. I can't um, say anything bad about that. It was just the trickster was like the movie. He did 
Um, incredible. Like, he was absolutely incredible. I absolutely loved him in the movie. Um, it made the movie worth watching. And like I said, it was kind of cool because we had mentioned in the podcast that it was um, a little bit of a, a spinoff to like Nightmare on Lum Street. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it definitely definitely borrows a lot from it. Yeah, but I preferred this one a lot more. I thought it was a, it was a really cool idea. Like mm-hmm. I said, I, I I thought it was unfortunate it didn't deep diver uh, deep diver it didn't dive deeper into the whole um, virtual reality. Mm-hmm. But I still really enjoyed it. It's definitely one that I'm going to watch again. Um, I again also was disappointed with the ending, but yeah, still, still worth the watch. Definitely going to watch it again. Sivan, you can suck it. We didn't hate the movie. We just we were just honest in our critique of it. You made it, you made it sound like we we, we bagged on it hardcore or something. Son of a bitch. Anyway, my number twelve. <laughs> this is Kansas City Confidential from nineteen fifty two, directed by Phil Carlson. This one's notable because it's got some uh, Hollywood uh, tough guy heavies from the period, Jack Elam and Lee Van Cleef in in roles. It's a film noir kind of heist film that takes a a real different uh, turn. Basically, you know, this professional mastermind criminal with a lot of interesting ideas of how to like set up a a heist. And basically the heist goes down. They're supposed, they they get this patsy to take the fall, but um, it's it's basically mostly set like in, I I guess it's Mexico. I I forgive if Mexico or some somewhere south of the, of the U S and South America or Central America. And, Basically, it's just these guys trying to get their money uh, after they had the successful robbery. And uh, it was all the tension between the different bank robbers and, and the like double crossing each other and, and, and all that. And uh, I, I still just get a kick out of how back in the day, these movies, people would wear like these thick woolen suits in like tropical climates all day and like everybody in this movie is just drenched in sweat when by the time you get to the second half of the movie and it's hilarious um but really good uh, film noir crime movie heist movie uh worth checking out very cool <laughs> all right so my number 11 mm-hmm. i have a bud spencer movie Oh, uh, the sheriff and the satellite kid. Oh, nice. Um, a lot of these ones on the bottom, I find are just like the goofy fun ones because mm-hmm. they are. They're just goofy fun. It's a kids movie. It's ridiculous. It's over the top with the alien kid who just controls things and does stuff with his mind. And Bud Spencer trying to like get rid of the kid and then steals basically <laughs> adopts the kid at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, just the ridiculous Bud Spencer like being insanely strong, like just giant strong man where no mm-hmm. one can get take him on um oh yeah this has like my favorite line of any movie where he's like giving the guy in the face he's like can you see the birdies yet mm-hmm. seriously my favorite line in any movie i think it's the best thing ever that's that's it that's not much to say about the movie like there's not much to the movie it's just a great fun like innocent cute movie nice mm-hmm. um i'll just quickly uh look at the chat here too uh, our friend dan who's also in the chat said he enjoyed Prey too, and then uh, Dylan Goodluck uh, went on to say I love Robert Pattinson's escape room detective work. Him in a room with Gordon were some of the best scenes. Totally agree. Batman is just a detective with really good body armor and gadgets. Mm-hmm. That's, that's uh, And I love it. That's, that's what I like. Um, 
Yeah, okay, you calm down. My number 11 is The Stranger from 2022. This is Thomas M. Wright directing and writing this. Stars Joel Edgerton and Sean Harris. Uh, it's a uh, Australian crime film that is based on a true Australian crime, but they had to change the names and stuff around or they probably would have been sued. But it's about a... Uh, kidnap murder case where they could not convict the guy but they were convinced they could get the evidence or get a confession out of him uh, through some unusual means and basically what they do is they set up undercover cops set up this kind of fake criminal organization to try to suck this guy like to lure this guy into their organization and try to basically get him to eventually confess that he uh, kidnapped and murdered this child. And it's very much about the effects this has on the actual undercover cops, but also the relationship with this guy who's presented as very human, even though he is a monster. He's, there's no, there's no escaping what a off, you know, just, fucking nutcase he is and a monster deep down and like it comes out subtly like it tends to come out in real people with mental Mm -hmm. illness and um i think it's just some of the best performances i've seen in quite a long time it is a it is a long movie uh it's a movie where not a lot of stuff happens like it is a police procedural without like shootouts or anything like that really but if you can stick with it the the character stuff is really good and just some of the revelations and like how this how they suck this guy in and how his inner character comes out is really horrifying and creepy um the performances are just that good where like it makes you feel really just dirty inside like oh my god this fucking guy is a monster and i'm watching him trying to have human conversations with these people and it, it's 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 gross it's, it's kind of gross but it, it's well done it's so well done and um i think it's a remarkable crime film it sounds like it hmm. all right um top 10. 10 yeah top 10 all right so uh mine's a lot more lighthearted. Uh, uh hairspray from 1988 mm. uh as we all know divine well not yep. me, but you and i know divine and uh, John Waters and Ricky Lake and all that lovely stuff and all these wonderful people. Again, it's a feel-good, fun movie. It's uh, one of those movies that takes on some serious notes but uh, has a a more um, lighter tone to it. So uh, it just makes it uh, enjoyable. So it's not um, too heavy of a movie to watch. The songs are great. It's just, again, it's just silly fun. It's ridiculous. I love it. I love Divine. Um, Ricky Lake does a really good job as well. Uh, it's just a good movie. It's it's very notable for being um, John Waters' first sort of foray into doing like a mainstream film, quote unquote. Yeah, where he's still incredibly subversive with the shit he's doing. Um, and yeah, it, it's it's a, it's a great film. Hairspray is mm-hmm. not. Do not watch the John Travolta one because that one blows fucking goats. Into space. The 1988. Yeah, the 1988 hairspray is amazing, but the the, the John Travolta one is stupid as fuck. It has it has nothing going on for it. Okay, so number ten. My number ten is Caitlin Varga by Peter Strickland. Uh, this is a rape revenge film. 
it is a film where many years after a rape has occurred, uh, and it is uh, it's set in Romania, I, I seem to recall. Uh, so it's it's a very like backwards rural Romania, but in modern day. But you wouldn't know it until like every once in a while, some of the characters run into something that obviously modern, but otherwise it could have been set in like the 1800s even by the looks of things. But, you know, women are not equal over there. Uh, they're not they're not uh, treated the same as uh, men. She, it is discovered that she was raped and that causes great embarrassment for her husband. And so she basically has to be excommunicated from the community that she lives in. Uh, otherwise, you know, really embarrassing for the man. So you know, can't have that. So she decides, well, the only thing I got left is I've got my son and I've got revenge. And so she takes her son with her on this road trip and she goes to seek revenge against the men who raped her years ago. And it's pretty harrowing. Uh, you don't see the rape. Uh, you, you basically get her in an extended monologue explaining what happened to her and how she felt about it. And it's some of the hardest stuff to listen to and watch. Um, Cause she sort of has her rapist and, her rapist's current wife as captive audiences on a boat when she does this. And it's, it's, it's an amazing scene and uh, it doesn't quite go where you think it would go. It, it's, it's very much com commentating on the, you know, what, what in, it entails to take revenge on somebody for, for uh, crimes they committed on you. And instead of, you know, she doesn't have any other option other than to do this basically, but you know, she can't just go to the authorities and seek justice necessarily. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's a very balanced, like look at like just the, the horrors of uh, the victim and those who victimized her. And uh, it's, it's really good. Uh, I, I don't, I usually don't want to like give recommendations to rape revenge films necessarily. Cause you know, they're hard to watch, but this one isn't yeah, hard. Yeah, this one isn't hard to watch as far as, you know, like, oh, here here she is getting DP'd by these two dudes in a car or something. Like, they just tell you about it, basically. They don't show it. Oh, that's you. cool. Yeah. That is cool. Because it's hard to so, watch rape scenes. Yeah, so it's not exploitative. That's the big, that's the big thing. That's good. I like that. <clears throat> that was the one thing I had an issue with, with, like, I spit in your grave, which is because they showed you the scene. Yeah. Well, I, that, find that, the, um, yeah. I find the newer one uh was not it was still bad but you didn't see it as much like it wasn't as uh mm -hmm. as long like it was a very quick scene but still it's still very hard to watch yeah the the re we we and we talked about how we liked the remake kind of a bit more than the original too and because yeah. it was it was more cathartic right because yeah it really got to all right now she's gonna fuck these dudes up and then she fucks them up <laughs> oh yeah 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 all right. Again, lighter note on my side. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, my number nine is um, one that I am honestly shocked. It took me till last year to watch it. Uh, I'm not going to talk much about it because everyone knows about it. Uh, 1988 Willow. Okay. Uh, just it's a wonderful fantasy movie. I I really enjoyed the storyline. I just enjoyed the visuals. Like it's just a beautiful movie to watch. It's a fun movie to watch. It's great. It really hits that fantasy world uh in that perfect way so it's got it's got some originality to it like it, you know it, it does borrow from other you know 
sources and stuff, but it, yeah. it it does carve out its own unique little world. And also, you know, I, I can see that you would, uh, identify with some of the protagonists because they're your height. So it's exactly. It's, uh, yeah. I, I, I do enjoy how they used uh, uh, little people in it. Mm-hmm. Where they actually use little people and not take people that are human height and just make them look small. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah Peter, a, Peter Jackson, you Nazi. Yeah, that's a, a big pet peeve of mine. But mm-hmm. I just thought it was a great movie. I just loved it. I, it's it's a feel good, fun. I've been saying for the last like five movies, oh, except for one. Um, yeah, I feel like my list is mostly these like ones that just made me happy. <laughs> yeah, that's that's perfectly so. that's perfectly acceptable. Um, yeah, I I don't have a lot of words to describe these movies right now. They get better. They do get better. I was just realizing like <laughs> I'm using the same. I'm like because it's the same feeling. They all make me feel the same way. It's all the same thing. But anyways, so it's totally legitimate. Um, <laughs> didn't realize it till now. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I'll mention uh, our sometimes co-host Paul is in the uh, chat saying cheers all. And then he went on to say, Psycho Sleepover and Plankton were pretty weird, but still pretty crap films. I have seen Plankton, and yeah, Plankton's not good, but the special effects are great. Like, the movie itself is dog shit, but, like, the special effects in it are fan-damn-tastic. Hope you're doing well, Paul. Okay, my number nine is The Northman from 2022, Robert Eggers. Uh, This is based on the Scandinavian... uh, Amleth legend that Shakespeare basically uh, ripped Hamlet from, basically. Um, basically ripped Hamlet from, basically, basically. Basically, basically. Basically, basically, basically. Um, but it, it, it's great. It's just, it's this hard-boned, raw Nordic revenge film. It's uh, it's basically, it basically is Hamlet. I'm now going to be self-conscious about saying basically all the time. I, I did it to myself. <laughs> it's okay. Um, I've been noticing fun a lot, so. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's it's bloody. It's violent. It's it's a very testosterone-driven film. Lots of, lots of blood smearing and piss drinking and oh, I don't know if there was actual piss drinking in it, but it feels like the kind of movie where guys drink piss to prove how manly they are. And uh, it's great. And there's a little bit of uh, mysticism in it and stuff. It's kind of like a modern version of Conan the Barbarian in a way, and in, in the sense that equality wise, which uh, Conan the Barbarian, I hold in high regard as a film. So when I'm comparing this to it, I'm kind of giving it big props. And I mean, Robert Eggers, I, this movie didn't do as well as some of his other stuff. Uh, people, I think they kind of expected him to go like super deep and mystical and all that shit with it. But no, this one's much more straight ahead, but it's a beautiful looking film. It's a kind of epic saga type kind of thing. And uh, if you just want a bloody Viking revenge film, that's basically what this is. And it's a really goddamn good one. And it's got Bjork in it. What? Yeah. Bjork plays a, a seeress. What? Yeah, yeah, she's uh, this blind witch who can see the future or some shit. She's just in it for a couple scenes, but she's in it, so it's very cool. Yeah, so uh, your number eight, I believe. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So my number eight is uh, Badass from 2012. Okay, the Danny yeah. Trejo. No, yeah. oh, yeah. is it? Yeah. Oh yeah, 2012. Okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the one where he uh, is a Vietnam hero. Um, mm-hmm. But when he comes home, 
like when yeah when he comes back he uh loses his sweetheart his love of his life his partner whatever um he loses his job nobody wants to hire him blah blah blah. and mm-hmm. then um like years later he is going home on a bus and these skinheads start beating up a black or uh, an elderly black man he uh, intervenes right because this is based on like a Danny, real yeah real Danny life Trejo, frank danny trejo uh beats the crap out of the guys and then he becomes celebrated and people like they record him people see it on youtube and he becomes this like celebrated badass uh and uh well one of his well later on one of his friends ends up uh getting killed and the cops don't seem to want to do anything about it right so he takes the matters in his own hand and it's this kind of revenge movie and anyways it's uh unnecessary amount of violence it's based loosely off a true story. Like the first part mm-hmm. is based on the true story. And then the rest is like greatly over-exaggerated events. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is greatly over-exaggerated violence. Uh, I commented on the podcast. I was mentioned how uh, Danny Trey was kind of getting old. So even yeah. though he's still fighting, like it looks rough, like it definitely looks. Oh, he's, he's not getting old. He is old. Like by, by the time, by the time he came around to do machete, it was like, as much as I kind of like Machete, it was twenty years too late because he's he's in his seven. He he's pushing eighty at this point. Um, yeah. So like yeah, he. Some people will know what I'm referencing here. He was moving around like Robert De Niro was moving around in The Irishman, where like like Robert like in The Irishman they de-aged some of the actors, right? So Robert De Niro supposed to be like thirty or forty when in the de-aging scenes where he's like going around beating people up in the street and stuff, but he moves like a seventy year old man. And that's the same with Danny Trejo. Like he's not doing stunts or anything. He's he's like maybe right he's maybe like lifting a, uh, his machete and then you see the machete in another scene strike the guy and shit. Like it, it, you know it's it's that kind of thing. Yeah, it's um it's definitely rough for sure. Uh like you, you, you could see it. You could see the. I love Danny Trejo. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just a little bit rough. But anyways, just a ridiculous movie. The, the fighting, the scenes, the, the tossing into store displays and all sorts of stuff. It's great. It's great for this like ridiculous amount of uh, action. It's great for a kind of like that feel good moment when um, the skinheads get their faces beaten in mm-hmm. um, and all that sort of awesomeness. Um, I just thought it was uh, an over-the-top awesome time. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Try not to use fun this time. <laughs> yeah. You want to uh, say fun? Yeah, I really wanted to because I can't think of anything else right now. Because, you know, problems you get, like, what happened to you, you get stuck on that one word because it just pops up in your head real quick. Yeah, yeah. And then you're thinking, like, shit, I've used this word a lot. I just need to think anything, anything else. What else means this? And Every other time I have like this array of words that just comes out and here I'm like, it's fun. <laughs> I can't think of anything else. Every, every um, other time you're a brilliant genius where you're just like, yes, I think the implications of how this scene was manifested in its, in its, in its, uh, in its form was, uh, Equivalent to uh, the great playwright uh, Shakespeare in this, uh, this noted work. And then you, then you get to it and you're like, I really like this film. I was writing stuff down and the stuff I was writing down, like as I'm writing down, it comes out so smooth and I'm coming up with all these awesome things to say. And now I'm like talking about, I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. It's easy. I could do this. No, 
No, my brain is stumped. I apologize. This, this is why when I get to my top five, I've it's all my fucking letterbox reviews. I just stuck right in because I didn't I didn't want to like off the cuff do these ones. So uh, and, and I did it for all my fucking uh, worst of. By the way, I stuck all my reviews in because it's like I'm not going to top what I actually wrote down and. <laughs> I can see that. Um, yeah. So uh, okay, I am on my number eight. Uh, this is Visiting Hours from 1982 by uh, Jean-Claude Lord. It's a Canadian-made slasher film starring uh, Michael Ironside as the killer. I like this one because it focuses a lot on Michael Ironside himself as the killer and like why he is why he is. Uh, and basically, he's stalking this uh, sort of feminist uh, media personality, and he's just this woman-hating piece of shit. And, like, there's a, there's little tinges of feminism in the film. I'm not going to say it's some great big fucking feminist fucking statement or thing, because it's, it's a slasher film from the 80s. It's not really a feminist film. Um, <laughs> but it's a really enjoyable slasher film that, you know, doesn't have a super high body count or anything like that, but it's it's got good suspense and tension in it. Uh, Michael Ironside is great in it. William Shatner's in this for some reason, I guess just like to put a name on the actual film. Um, and, you know, it's maybe to get some ticket sales or whatever. But uh, William Shatner should have died in this, by the way, because he's, he's just kind of like this asshole. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, it's a great, I've, I feel like often unheralded slasher film from back in the 80s. So it's a fun one. It's a fun one. Yeah. <laughs> You're a fun one. Well, thank you. All right. Um, my number seven. My number mm. seven is uh, Dave Made a Maze. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's a ridiculously over the top entertaining movie. Mm -hmm. It has uh, a guy who builds a maze and he goes into the maze and the maze becomes real. Eventually people join him in the maze and people die in the most ridiculous ways possible. Mm -hmm. And their blood is not blood. It's all streamers. Yeah. Blood streamers. Yeah. Goodness. Did I ever friggin' laugh? It is hilarious. It is such a, I don't even know what to say. Like, it's just, the storyline is just so creative. Like, mm -hmm. who would ever think of this? A guy builds a cardboard box maze in his living room, and yeah, the maze comes to life. Yeah, because he's because he's mentally ill, so he's just like he's he's locked up, depressed in his apartment for months, and he's not doing anything. And he, all he's doing is building this maze. And once he loses himself in it, he literally loses himself in it. And then his his some some of the well most of them are pretty much assholes his asshole friends basically go in the maze looking for him and yeah shit the, happens. the homeless guy was smart yeah he was like fuck this it's like i'm not going in mm -hmm. just enjoy yeah. the apartment that's cool uh it's both you and uh, our friend carrie both uh enjoyed that uh it was it was a great movie it was mm. just like i said it was over the top ridiculous entertainment like just the the part where they become what is it puppets can't remember mm -hmm. but they transform into like non-real characters yes yeah. so funny and the the death scenes the death scenes oh my god they're the best thing ever very just, creative oh gosh the streamers pop up <laughs> and they're it's, the acting's great because they're playing mm -hmm. as if the person died and you i don't 
to take like a murder seriously and then see freaking streamers like <laughs> yeah know, it's just it's just so good and they're they don't even know if they die they're like so confused because they're like i don't know what happened like what the fuck happened <laughs> yeah uh i'll just pipe in here on chat uh, dylan goodluck says the northman may or may not include piss drinking yeah that's right you put it on the back of the box and that's the selling point uh, leona machita's jinx pee he's a pee pee drinker oh yeah he's he's a crazy person <laughs> a lot of well a lot of ufc people are crazy people yeah um, you have to kind of eat to do that shit all right, uh, my number seven, Extreme Prejudice from 1987. This is directed by Walter Hill. Uh, it's got a great cast in. Michael Ironside comes back for this one. It's got Powers Booth and Nick Nolte. And this is basically Walter Hill's take on The Wild Bunch, sort of his modern kind of update of it. And it's got a bit of the A-Team in it. And it's a heist movie at the same time. And it's great. It's just a bunch of manly men shooting. Uh, and it's done in the most manliest shootingest Walter Hill way. It was a nice surprise. Like, like I mentioned before, I, I do the uh, last call at Torchies podcast with Gary Hill, Cameron Scott. We've been going through Walter Hill's films one at a time chronologically. And we thought we, this is one I hadn't seen before. And we got to it and I was like blown away because like, Oh shit, this is amazing. And it is amazing. So go see it. it it's, it's just great. It's just tough guys doing tough guy stuff. It's total testosterone bullshit male film, but it is. But it's an enjoyable one. It's got so much meaty squib work in it, which is a thing that I'm always attracted. If you if you got great squibs in your film, I'm going to be there. Uh, I might not. I still might not recommend the film, but I'm least going to pay attention. And there, the, these guys get just chunk, just like chunks of hamburger blown out of them it's it's amazing it's so good number six number number six number six uh so from 2021 free guy okay yeah so it's when a npc begins to discover that he has freedom and uh he ends up making choices of his own and becoming his own person this shows that there was original work done from the two people that created this game or made the idea of the game, but got stolen from them. Okay. And, um, the NPC ends up trying to help the creators find the, the file that ends up, um, not victimizing ends up proving that they, yes. Proving that, that the, their software was stolen by the guy who's like, uh, took over the creation of the game. Okay. So they found their own file, and anyways, really cool. Uh, it's fun because when you're playing this as when you're watching this as someone who likes to play uh, video games, you understand it. I showed mm. it to my dad; I think he would like it because it's like ridiculous action. But my dad doesn't play video games, so he didn't understand any of the references. Okay. Uh, yeah. So really cool because you get into the world and you see like the whole like bank robbery happening and they're just all the NPCs just casually walking by, like nothing happened because <laughs> like, that's how the life is. Mm-hmm. And then like the NPC becomes part of this. So he starts making money and he ends up being um, the nice guy in the game too, because he doesn't hurt any of the NPCs because the NPCs are like his friends. So he does everything opposite of what he's supposed to be doing. And he's stopping people from like committing crimes in his city. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, it's just uh oh my god, the action is incredible. The visualization is just so beautiful. The movie's so well done. Like um 
the 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 music, the the visuals, the like even the editing is just well done. Like something with that much action can look choppy, and I don't. I thought it looked flawless. Like it was just a just a great movie. It was great. It was a great, great. movie. It was great. Fun. It was fun. <laughs> oh god, it was so entertaining. It was uh, ridiculous Ryan... fun. It was ridiculous yeah. fun. Yeah. There you go. It's got Ryan, Ryan Reynolds, Reynolds in it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I should check that out sometime. Um, I absolutely love I've watched it multiple times this year. It was my first time watching it, and I've watched it. I could probably cite it by heart now because it's it's a fun movie with crazy amounts of ridiculous action. So, there, you, there you go. It's, it's a like, movie. <laughs> yeah, maybe. We'll see. I mean, it's, me. It's, oh, oh, yeah, okay. Well, I thought we were interchangeable at this point. <laughs> um so uh, my number six, 52 Pickup from 1986. This is uh, directed by John Frankenheimer. It's a uh, canon film, and uh, it's starring Roy Schreider um, and Anne Margaret. And it's got uh, two great villain performances in this from John Glover, who uh, we also talked about in Ed and His Dead Mother. And Clarence Williams III. Uh, and it's basically this sleazy blackmail uh, film where they try to blackmail Roy Schreider. Um, Roy Schreider. I can, I can put, put an R in there where there isn't one. Um, but they, they try to blackmail him and he says, no, I'm not fucking, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to comply. I'm going to fight back. I'm going to fuck with you guys. And it's just, just fucking battle of wills be, between uh, Schreider and John Glover and his crew of bad guys who sort of professionally go around blackmailing people by like, you know, setting them up with, with, uh, this hot chick and, uh, getting them in compromising positions to get like photos and video of them and stuff and then blackmail them. And, um, it's excellent. I was totally surprised with how good this was. Uh, it's a gritty sleazy film. It's probably one of the best, if not the best film canon, uh, films ever made because it's like legit just intense and good and interesting and takes some interesting turns and it's got great performances in it and i loved it from start to finish so uh if you if you're looking for like out of all the films on my uh, best of list if you're looking for the like the the real the real deal fucking crime film if you're like really into like a neo-noir crime film this is probably the best one on my list to check out so yeah 52 pickup 1986 i like the name Mm. um all right so number five yeah number five all right uh i spent in a grave from 1978 oh there you go yeah it's uh it's one of those um my biggest reason why um it's in the top was the performance from uh camille keaton Mm mm-hmm because she was just phenomenal in this movie. Yeah, she's Because I, I found that there were some parts, uh, like the acting from the guys that were doing, like the asshole guys, their acting was less than par and sometimes a little mm-hmm. bit cheesy at times. Like one of the rape scenes was really stupid. Like just, I don't know. It just didn't... Uh, it was too. You, over, it was too you exaggerated. Mean, you mean you mean one of the parts of the rape scene that like is a third of this film? Yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah. yeah. I want to say it was funny to watch, but it's very hard to say that. Yeah. The rape scene, but it was like it was a little bit ridiculous. Like it was a little cheesy at times. Mm-hmm. But um, our like the protagonist um, Camille was just 
freaking phenomenal. She did such a good job in that movie. She was such an amazing actress. She uh, she really sold the whole thing. So yeah, she's I, my um, my reason why it's on my top because one, it's a rape revenge movie, uh, uh-huh. so it's very cathartic for me. But two, because of her. And she yeah, she she is great in it. And so uh, again, one of these like really brave performances from an actress because mm-hmm. she she is asked to do a lot in that film that mm-hmm. most people would not want to do. It's it's pretty brutal. Both of the actresses for both those movies, like I've already seen uh, the newer one uh, for I Spit on Your Grave, but both those women did such a good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. We're in our top five now. So my number five, and like I said, I'm going to start reading from my uh, letterbox reviews here for these. Uh, so my number five is Senior from 2022, directed by Chris Smith. And my review is as follows. Most of us have unresolved issues with our family members or friends. Things buried, left unsaid. Senior speaks to that, but it also speaks to the cinematic mind of Robert Downey. As his son, Robert Jr. films him. Senior is determined to make his own documentary about himself. And you get insight into how his mind, even at his advanced age, worked. He was always thinking in terms of cinema, and it seems like he always had warmth for his family and friends in the forefront of his life in his final years. These things obviously kept him going, and this film is a lovely home movie documenting that fact. It's a beautiful tribute to a father from his son, and it's a real tearjerker at times. And, yeah, this legit made me cry watching it a couple times. Um, Perhaps its only fault is that it breezes over those unresolved issues a bit too quickly, but in the end, at least, you could tell Senior and Junior were in a good place with each other. I hope to get to see Senior's version of this uh, soon as well, because uh, Robert Downey Sr. did, like, shoot his own movie while Robert Downey Jr. was, you know, spearheading this thing. So I, I assume it's going to pop up on streaming at some point, if not a, a DVD release or Blu-ray release, whatever. But um, it's a great documentary. It's, it's really, 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 really good. Very cool. Yeah. My number four. Okay. So uh, my number four is uh, Emily the Criminal, twenty twenty two. Oh, you! Oh, you watched it and you liked it. Yeah, I really liked it. Uh, okay. So it has Aubrey Plaza as Emily mm-hmm. and Theo Rossi as Yusuf, and um, Aubrey is basically someone who has a criminal record who's trying to get a job in her field but cannot because mm-hmm. she has a criminal record. And uh, even though it's been a while, um, it's not allowing her to get very far. She has a job that she hates. And uh, her coworker is like, hey, you should call this person. Easy money. Mm-hmm. So calls the number. Turns out it's a credit card scam. And she falls deep into it. And she ends up falling for the guy that uh, got her started into it. So her and uh, Yusef start getting into some deep things. She makes a slip up. Brother finds out. Brother gets angry. Whole fucking fight scene, death scene, revenge thing. Everyone mm-hmm. dies except for her. And she just walks away and starts in another country. Uh, like our yep. whole credit cards gave another country. Like, I feel like I just gave the whole movie. Apologize if anyone wants to watch it. It's, it's still it, done that. It, it's <laughs> still worth watching, even though she spoiled it. It's fine because it it is a really good performance from her, and it, and it's Aubrey in, Plaza has like she's very um, flat, like emotionally flat, mm-hmm. 
And I think this was the perfect movie for her because that really showed her like just dead to the world, like just done with everything. Yeah. And when she's going through the situations, she's, you could tell like she's nervous and stuff. Like it still has a changing face, but it's still very flat. So it works very well. And then when all these situations happen and there is emotion that shows, um, you just really feel it even more. Yeah. Like just cause, um, yeah, she's just like, um, like just, doesn't know how to show her emotions and uh, or doesn't really show her emotions sorry mm-hmm. um so her reactions to things when they're really serious are so fucking good oh yeah when when those when those two do when those that couple tries to like you know yeah uh, roll her and, and and take her shit mm-hmm. and she immediately just she it. just she says fuck it and then she just they they feel they feel like they got in a way scot free, so they're just out in the street in their in their vehicle or whatever. And she just comes out and fucks their shit up. It's amazing. Um, yeah, it's a good one. My number four: Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched: A History of Folk Horror from 2021. This is by uh, Kirla Janice, and it's a wonderful three and a quarter hour doc that blows by quickly and leaves you wanting more. Yeah. Uh, The amount of films it touches upon is staggering, and there's uh, full length docs that could come out of every chapter of this doc as well, if, if someone so desired. Um, Despite the scramble to fit a bit of everything in this, it doesn't feel shallow. Uh, I personally certainly learned a few things about the folk horror genre. I didn't know, uh, some films I wouldn't have considered being folk horror or at least having some folk uh, elements of folk horror were argued for in convincing fashion. Just a staggering amount of named films I've never seen is going to give me uh, a lot for my watch list. And like, I, I did get some of them this year, but there's, there's so many fucking folk horror films. This thing drops that I just haven't touched yet. Uh, on top of this, it's a great looking doc with some solid production values behind it. Highly informative and enjoyable, even if you're not too familiar with the genre. Newbies and the knowledgeable alike will get something out of this, I think. And yeah, it's it's one of the great uh, horror documentaries, uh, horror film documentaries that's uh, ever been made, as far as I'm concerned. It's fucking great. So very cool. Mm. Um, top three. Yeah. American Pop, 1981. Yeah. Nice. I. This movie was a trip. Like, this movie was entirely a trip. It was uh, a story of someone trying to have a dream and seeing generations being kind of damaged by the one person who wanted to have a dream onto, like, that person's son and then their son and then their son and then Mm -hmm. finally a generation where there is success and happiness. But you see a generational, like, generations, generations, generations of, like, abuse and damage that's just been done. And even at the end, like, the, the one that succeeds, the father, is, like, the most like the least the, the sorry the most damaged the least successful the most broken and mm-hmm. it's like when he finally like that child finally gets to break the ties of the the kind of tradition of uh rejection and abuse and all that kind of stuff and like damage the child that child successful yeah so i mentioned like we talked about it in the podcast there's a whole podcast about it so if you want more details on it watch that podcast because mm-hmm. it was such a good movie um it was like i i, I mentioned the, the podcast i said it's a beautiful tragedy because mm-hmm. the whole time it's this just try like it's tragic the whole thing is a tragedy like you watch everyone just fail and shit happen and you watch like the father make the child suffer because the father wanted something and he wants the child to have it and then he the father fucks up and creates 
I can't think of the word now. Damn it. I was doing so good today. Um, <laughs> creates trauma mm-hmm. uh, on the child. And then when the child has becomes older and finds their own partner and does the same thing, the cycle just repeat, continues. Yeah. Like it's in a different way, but it continues. And uh, we talked about the one scene where the one guy went to war and the Nazi catches him. And the guy just plays this bit on the piano, sees the guy, and he just doesn't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. He's like, he he was ready to, you could see even beforehand, he was totally ready to accept his fate. Like, he didn't want to live. There was right. no point of him, like, pre-war even. He just didn't want to live. He didn't care. Like, there was no, nothing in his eyes. Like, he was just, and that moment was just him showing he's like, his love, his passion for playing the piano. And that's what he did when he got shot in the head. Yep. Yeah, great movie. Just, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay. My number three, Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde from 1971. Uh, It was directed by Roy Wade, uh, Roy Ward Baker, uh, starring Ralph Bates and Martine Biswick. So uh, this is not talked about as much, but this is top tier hammer in my book that does a lot of interesting things. The gender bending twist to the Jekyll and Hyde story and the ramifications they touch upon is amplified by the fact that Ralph Bates and Martine Beswick look so much alike that they very much could be the male and female versions of the same person. Uh, Roy Ward Baker's steady hand behind the camera gives us some very cool shots, including a brilliant mirror shot that really raises this above some of the more standard hammer stuff at the time. The film even has the balls to work in both the real life Burke and Hare grave robbing and murders and Jack the Ripper and makes them all work despite the fact that the timelines and locations don't add up historically at all. It's almost League of Extraordinary Gentlemen like the graphic novels, of course, and how it weaves these various elements in. The film is also gloriously naughty and bloody, giving us ample doses of both elements that were very much common in Hammer's films by this point. Perhaps the only stumble is the ending really doesn't totally live up to the rest of the film, even though it does give us a fantastic final shot of our Jekyll Hyde laying dead on the cobblestones, forever stuck in transition between the two. Don't pass this one up. Yeah, this is, this is great, uh, and it and it is it is uh, bloody and naughty. Like Martin Beswick gives us some nice skin at certain points, and and uh, there there is definitely some nice uh, sort of gen- gender fluidity in this film before that was even a term, you know, kind of thing. So like, it, it is a very interesting film, especially to see in like twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three context, you know, kind of thing. It's a uh, very very interesting. Nice. Um, my number two mm-hmm. is Prey 2022. Ah, there you go. It's, uh, it is visually stunning. Like this movie is honestly visually stunning. They did such a good job at uh, location because the, just the actual, the cinematography in this is just mm-hmm. that alone is what makes it well worth watching because there's sometimes where movies they're good, but because they're not like visually as appealing, they don't like, they can have be amazing, but they just don't seem as good. Like this one just um, allowed it to be even better because it was just so beautiful to watch. Like you already talked about it. You said a lot of things about it. So that's just one thing I want to bring up. And um, yeah, I'm going to be stoked about it because it is a female who is the lead who is kicked ass. Like, I don't see why that's a bad thing. Yeah. Like, women want to be represented too. Like, we're not just here making fucking sandwiches, washing dishes. Like, 
it's just uh it's such a cool movie it's just it's not even like a crazy action movie either you get there's action sequences yeah but it's more like a suspenseful movie it's her it's the whole time it's, yeah it's her figuring shit out right From yeah it's her yeah it's her um she's the prey she's trying to protect herself so she, the, it, the name is perfect because it legit is her trying to use what she has in order to try and survive it's not her out on the hunt and try not to die it's literally her protecting herself she has no context of what is actually hunting her and her people too. Like she's, as far as she knows, it's a demon or something, right? Like that's the only way she can kind of contextualize it. So she's kind of, you know, sussing things out and discovering what this thing is and coming to realize, Oh, I can hurt it. I can make it bleed. You know, like it, you know, it even directly references predator at points where it's like, you know, if it bleeds, we can kill it that kind of thing. You know, like it, it it does that. It's, it's great. It's, it's fucking fantastic. Totally enjoyable. It, it frustrates me that people get so upset when if there's a female lead all of a sudden because like oh this woke shit I'm like it didn't even try to represent anything it was just she was the last one because she was literally the least trained so everyone mm-hmm. else is so used to hunting when this guy's a hunter yeah. like a better hunter and, he's and, like and, the and, bigger predator and it's, it. it's we don't know and, what it is yeah right? and it's and it's well established that the predator race hunts the aggressive targets yeah and that's what happened and what was left over was. The, the female who was basically learning to hunt. Mm-hmm. So she had to adapt. And while they were the ones that were the ones like ready, instinctively going what they do, they were no longer the larger predator. This was a larger predator. Mm-hmm. So it just made sense. Like it just, yeah. I understand what they were going with. And I don't understand like the people, like it's, it's a crazy creative way of doing this, like a ridiculously creative way, because it literally transformed humans into praise instead of them being the predators. It took on something and said, this is the predator. It is bigger. It's going to kill you. And now you have to adapt and change entirely in order to like kill it because now mm-hmm. you are no longer the hunter. You're the hunted. Mm-hmm. Such yeah. a clever way of doing it. Such a cool spinoff. Like you said, they don't have to try and change or sorry, do a um, adaptation of something else to recreate the same thing they already did. Uh, they took on a something they had mm-hmm. and made a whole different spin on it. And it was so good. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, my number two, Mad Dog Morgan from 1976 is directed by Felipe Mora or maybe it's Philip Mora. I uh, can't quit. I never Remember. knew. Uh, when you when you throw an extra E and P in there, it's like, oh, maybe. Yeah. But this is starring Dennis Hopper, uh, who is legit crazy and drunk on the set every day. Uh, he was just drinking up a storm as they were uh, filming this. Uh, so just consider how fucked up you have to be when everyone else in an Aussie-made film is the straight man playing off your insanity. This is where De- Dennis Hopper found himself in Mad Dog Morgan. This should have been a disaster given Hopper's constant state of intoxication every day on set, but somehow his professionalism, or maybe just dumb luck, guided him into using that energy in a truly wonderful crazed performance that goes head-to-head with the scary weirdness of Australia Australia, and feels like it fits in. Uh, there are so many enjoyable elements into this besides the off-kilter performances and great scenery, Aussie prison being an S&M rape fest, apparently, apparent fat, fat camp, uh, Hopper in an Abe Lincoln beard, homoerotic undertones between our leads, spaghetti western riffing, lip surface to the then very new evolution debate, uh, a judge who's far too much into birds, and common Uzzy thug, thugs so racist against the Chinese that they'd risk burning every tree and, and bush on the continent just to get at them. 
that's just scratching the surface yeah uh there's just too much going on to properly do justice to it in a short review but i'll say all of these elements somehow blend seamlessly into a really enjoyable film from start to finish a real hidden gem of sorts and yeah it's basically you know it's it's about um mad dog morgan who was a real criminal in australia back in the day and this is you know dramatization of those events and it's also just kind of a crazy weird off the fucking kilter movie and uh it works really well we got your number one we got your number one coming that sounds like a very fun movie it is fun i bet yeah all right my number one this is the funnest movie of all of them. This is the fun. The funnest, of the, fun. the funnest yeah, of the fun? the fun. The funnest. This is mm-hmm. like the cream, the cream, the cream of the cream of fun. The this cream of the cream. Yeah, cream of the cream. Okay. <laughs> this is like the best of the funs. Uh, so my top movie this year. It's hilarious because there's been I had such a hard time choosing my first, and uh, what kind of put it on top was would I watch it again? Cause mm-hmm. there's sometimes movies where you watch it once, even if you enjoy it a lot, mm-hmm. um, it's harder to watch it again. Like uh, hereditary is a good example, fucking phenomenal right. movie, but it's so hard to watch again. Anyways, this one I've watched already. I don't know how many times, uh, the Bob's burger movie from this year. From this year, <laughs> year. Um, first of all, everyone knows if anyone knows me like personally, everyone knows that I'm like obsessed with Bob's burgers. I just love the show. Um, I made the comment on the podcast where I said that I was a mixture between Tina and Jean. So I'm like a boy, crazy, like extravagant person. <laughs> That's <is> true. <laughs> uh, so it's really cute. Like there's, um, there's a usual like disaster that happens by Bob's burgers. And uh, then there's this, event that happens that like ends up turning the luck around for Bob and his family. And it's, I, I just want everyone to watch it because like, if ever you're having a terrible day, just, you know, watch that movie. It's uh, the music is just the silliest thing ever. Uh, there's these like hilarious dance moves. So every time I watch, it, I try to do the dance moves. Cause I just think <laughs> it's so funny. It's just, uh, if they took the, the, what they do with the TV series, um, they didn't try to make, I don't know. They didn't try too hard. They did the same formula they've done with all the Bob's burgers and created a movie that could almost be watched into like different segments and it would still work. Like you literally do a three at time, like three part episode and it would still work. And they just kind of crisp it up for the movie. So that's the difference they made. Mm -hmm. uh, They went a little bit more over the top with the music. They went a little bit more over the top with like the, the animation with like the dance moves and stuff and they cleared it up a bit. So it looked a lot nicer. But okay. uh, the same same formula, same usual thing. Fucking loved it. This is like, this is fun. This is this is the fun one. This is like the ultimate fun movie. I saw it. I can't remember when I saw it, but I've watched it way too many times over already. Like, I just love it. I have a feeling you're going to have to make me watch this at some point on a movie night. Probably, yeah. Probably. Because <laughs> I've, I've never watched any Bob's Burgers. And the, the, the most I know about Bob's Burgers is that you dressed up as one of the characters and that character does like the the booty dance that they're the gift that goes around everywhere i didn't dress up as t i dressed up as um oh linda i dressed up as a mother oh i must i must i must must just been like superimposing 
my thoughts of you doing a booty dance. Maybe. On that, probably. I dressed, okay, so it's hilarious because I dressed up as Louise the day before Halloween and the day of Halloween. I dressed up as Linda and Ryan dressed up as Bob. So right, right, we were right. Bob and Linda at a restaurant. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Lou, Lou Bob's Burgers. There you go. Um, one burger. One burger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so my number one film, uh, and this is a body double from 1984. This is directed by Brian De Palma, uh, starring Craig Wasson. And uh, so De Palma weaves in Vertigo, Rear Window, and a touch of Dial M for Murder into a meta deconstruction of exploitation films. Hollywood's seedy underbelly, and and both of these things uh, intersection with pornography. All the while, he has no problem making the film as scummy and voyeuristic and ex- uh, an exploitation film as he can, giving us a very unlikable hero as the audience's eyes and ears. And yeah, this is all about vor- voyeurism. Our protagonist is just obsessed. Like he's basically he's a sexual predator, basically like there's, there's no way around it. Uh, it's a lot of like uh, blue velvet, but if Lynch was willing to roll in the muck, he shows underneath small town America, he holds our heads right up to the screen and makes us watch because he knows we like it. And we know he's right. Uh, and also how about that banger of a Pino Danagio score, which is true. Great fucking score on there. Um, it's just, it's everything that, I want from a Brian De Palma movie. It's sleazy. It's scummy. It's uh, turning it on the viewer's face and saying, you like this. You're just as complicit as anybody else. Uh, when it comes to watching these movies about these subjects, uh, it's his most meta movie. It's fucking fantastic. It blew me away when I watched it for the first time this year. Didn't expect it to be great. Uh, I expected it to be good because it was Brian De Palma in like his first couple decades where he couldn't do no wrong basically. But, um, Man, it's my favorite De Palma film. It's so good. So fucking good. Love it. Fucking love it. That sounds it sounds good. It sounds fun. <laughs> it is. And it, it's it's just like all about the move, move, the film industry and the people who watch exploitation films and it's it's sexy and it's it's a neo noir. It is sexy and it's a neo noir at the same time. It's it's got Mel- Melanie Griffith in it uh, or Griffin or whatever the fuck her name is, and she's really good in this. And uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's great. It's fucking great. It's great. Yeah. Uh, okay. I don't know about you, but I I need to take a quick break. So um, we will uh, come back and do our worst of after after. We have a break. couple comments if you want to read those first. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna read them. Um, so uh, break. Yeah, Dylan Goodluck says Aubrey Plaza really is a gem of an actor. Glad her career seems to be on an uptick lately. Yeah. She's, uh, you know, gotten past the uh, I just do comedy stigma mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I gotta go pee. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so we can, we're gonna take a quick little musical break and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about our worst of. So be ready. Be ready.
here we go. line review says this music needs more church burning and or vikings yeah good we could we could wouldn't hurt maybe i'll spice it up in post we'll see who knows um add something i was watching one of the old podcast or listening to one of the old podcasts and uh as i you said something oh yeah you said you introduced me and i had this like really long intro and then you said you're gonna maybe put music in post and you didn't do it so i doubt that you're gonna do that lee I mean, it depends on how lazy I am when I finally get around to editing this thing, because I don't have to have it out till like next Sunday or Monday. So that's my Golian throat singing. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like you're trying to deep throat a cock. <laughs> I will I will concede to the expert there. Um All right, so let, let's get to our let's get to our worst of list before this thing really goes down the drain. Um start with your number 10, Lee. All right. Um my 10 is one of the ones that I uh picked. It is Ed and his dead mother, 1983. Uh, yeah. It's um it was a movie that had lots of potential. Uh, the acting was great. There was nothing wrong with the acting for most part. I thought uh, everyone was, uh, well, um, John Glover, John Glover, right? John Glover. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he was freaking amazing. Like I thought he, he basically like made the movie. If there was anything like worth watching, it was him. Like he was just phenomenal. He was outstanding. We said it should have been about him basically. Yeah. But, um, Oh, and uh, Miriam was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Steve Buscemi. He played that was a perfect part for him. Yeah, uh, like there's nothing wrong with any of that. It was just that there was a storyline. There was so much potential. There is an idea that was great, and it was just completely botched. Like there was two really good ideas because we talked about like John Glover and having his life. Mm-hmm. Just that would have been really cool, and they could have even had the side story of uh, Steve Buscemi. Yeah. But uh, even with Steve Buscemi and his mom, I think it would have been so much better had it been like uh, kind of like eating Raul, where there was like so many murders, like there mm-hmm. was just an incessant, ridiculous amount of murder in the most ridiculous ways. I would have been happy. I would have been totally stoked. Miriam came up with a cast iron pot, bang, bang, bonked him in the back of the head, and like um, cooked it afterwards. Just like had a big Did, yeah. Didn't, didn't even have browning. Yeah, it didn't even have to be gory, right? Like, it, yeah, we're keeping it, a, you know, an indie comedy. We're going to keep it a little on the safe side as far as the gore goes. You know, we're still going to show Kevin Sorbo's future wife's bum a lot and stuff. But, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, it's like it's just there was no teeth to it, right? It was just so much potential for, like, you know, you get this big cast. Well, not a super big cast, but you got a cast of characters. You should really start, good people. Yeah, you start bumping them off. Like you, you bump him off and Steve Buscemi, if you're going to focus on Steve Buscemi in this, um, he should be trying to cover up all these murders like that, yeah. because it, this is very yeah. much like brain dead slash dead alive. But, you know, the very, very toned down version of that film. But you can still go with the central sting of like a mama's boy trying to, you know, cover up his 
now monstrous mother's crimes. Uh, it's perfectly Yeah, especially perfectly since because he was so in love with his mom and so oh. like could not accept her death. It would even mean it better because he would have went through like any means possible to keep his mom alive and her like innocent. Like I just, I don't know. There was just, oh, I thought it was gonna be such a good movie when I read the plot and I saw who was mm-hmm. in it. And then when I watched it, it just bombed hard. And it's it, the reason it, that's the reason why I made like top 10. Cause I feel like I've watched other movies that could have taken its place. It was just, there was the perfect recipe for like an amazing movie and mm-hmm. they just said, ah, fuck it. <laughs> like, yeah. This is like, blow, this, yeah, how do we nah. make it the worst? <laughs> yeah. Um, my number 10. And this, so this is, this is fun. This is a little bit funny. Uh, so my, my best film this, this year was yeah. a, a Brian De Palma film. And one of my worst films this year is also a Brian De Palma film. Uh, this is obsession from 1976. Uh, this is basically Brian De Palma's take on Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. Um, he says, hey, uh, this is me saying this. I'm reading my own review here. Um, <laughs> hey, did you like Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo? How would you like it done in a far more clinical style with wooden acting and none of the dream-like imagery and weirdness Vertigo had? Let's also bog things down with a romance with a romance that ends on a really icky note by the time we get to the end because it becomes an incest thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, no thanks. It's nicely shot, but this is one of the Palma's biggest misfires. So there we go. It's it it is boring. It is boring, and like I said, it's icky. Like it, I, I have no problem spoiling this. He basically falls in love with his daughter. He's, he doesn't know she's his daughter. Um, until the end, but he mm. still falls in love with her, and they bang. Um, mm. Yeah, so ugh, gross. All right, uh, you're number nine. Uh, so my number nine is um, Hocus Pocus. Okay. Um, sorry, Hocus Pocus two. Oh, uh, that, yeah, that's right. You watched that, yeah. Twenty two, yeah. Uh, it was an attempt to be like nostalgic. So it was trying to take something that was um, like a really classic movie for a lot of people mm-hmm. and make something of it, but there wasn't really anything to go off of. Like they, they completely murdered the witches. So to bring them back and how they did it was such a ridiculous, like loophole thing randomly like, Oh, we brought it back to life after they just like killed them all because technically they got killed they didn't get brought back like they they, they were dead mm-hmm. i get the witches i get everything else but it was um which okay cool let's suspend disbelief obviously we have to because it's a fucking witch movie but um let's just take it on to say like oh they didn't actually die because of some whatever happened um the rest of it was just boring it was a background story which i don't mind mm-hmm. um which showed why the witches became why, um, why they became them. But then it turned into being this, like, uh, like the, the climax wasn't that much of anything. And then the, um, the conclusion, like the resolution to all the problems was extremely boring and lame. It was just like one of those, um, Oh, we're going to have a beautiful moment at the end. Like this no. is when you cry. And it wasn't, it was like, a, Oh, fuck off. Cause the, the new, the girl who 
um, resurrected the witches. She was a witch and her power, she all of a sudden had all these powers that slowly came to be. And then the book started to like her more, even though the book's entirely evil. But it went good. It turned good. And then the sisters, um, the two sisters died. And then the person was like, oh, no, I can't live without my sisters. I have to make a wish. Like, tell me, I want to be with my sisters. And they said, she's like, okay, yeah, let, we'll cast a spell to bring you to your sisters. And, like, she slowly faded because she died. Because that was the only way she could be with her sisters. Aww. And that was the end. Anyway, yeah, it was really... Um, it was a lackluster attempt at trying to bring back a movie that was uh, something that was very, again, I didn't care for it. Like Hocus Pocus, I thought was a cute movie, but it mm-hmm. wasn't anything that it was like um, too fond of. Mm-hmm. Like it's nothing that I watch every year. It's just something that I find easily to find, to watch during Halloween. Yeah. And I usually end up not finishing it because I get bored of it. <laughs> but um, they were trying to be nostalgic they were trying to like jump on that train. Hocus Pocus is is the movie from Hocus back then. Hocus. Hocus Pocus, and um, all the actresses look great though. That was that was fun to have them all the original actors come back. So love that. That was probably and the chemistry between the two leads was was cute. Like they they could act. Mm-hmm. They were probably the only saving grace of the movie, but meh meh. It was all meh. Uh, my number nine, Edna's dead mother. I don't think. Yeah. Uh, directed by Jonathan Wax, nineteen ninety three. I don't think I think we we said it all when we talked about it when you mentioned it. Did so, you uh, notice in our top our tops we only had one that was the same this year? Yeah, we did. That was that was that's kind of cool. Yeah, because I know uh, last year I didn't even no last year first year was a little bit different, but last year we had quite a few matching. Mm-hmm. This year we only had the one, and now this is another one. This one yeah. matched up too. And almost in the same spot, too. Yeah. So uh, give me your number eight. My number eight is End of Days, 1999. <laughs> um, if you watched the podcast, because it was recent, um, you will know that both Lee and I ripped it apart. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why it's not on my bottom was because they're, or, yeah, like not higher up on my top. <laughs> top of my bottoms tops of your um, bottoms yeah. yeah uh was because it was um it was hilarious at times yeah like it was just really stupid that you were just laughing at it um so it gave it some uh worthwhileness to watching it but the it's an overdone trope about 1999 being the end of the world and it was another attempt at doing it and they threw religion in it and mm. uh they just they just okay this is another one that there's like there was potential there like they had a good uh supporting cast everybody else is great yeah. but they chose arnold and i just doesn't fit uh, it was really bad he was so bad i couldn't take him seriously like it was just it was just not good i wanted satan to win satan comes in all suave and sexy mm-hmm. or sorry the devil comes in all suave and sexy and i'm Grabbing. like grabbing Grabbing titties and stuff, and yeah, yeah. Like I want, I want him to win. Like I will accept the world becoming um, Satan's sanctuary if he's around and he's fucking all of us. Like I, I, I still have time left. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> he can bang me. <laughs> but yeah, it was just when you're rooting for the the antagonist and it, you're it's designed to be rooting for yeah. the protagonist. You know what's yeah, bad. yeah. <laughs> It's, it's pretty bad. Um, my number eight, Christmas, Bloody Christmas from 2022, directed by Joe Bagos. 
this film features the now typical overstylized retro slasher aesthetic, drenched in neon light, full of swearing, sex without nudity, and mostly unlikable or underwritten characters. Just when it was coming around to our main protagonist, and it took me a while too, because our main female protagonist in this, she is the most unlikable bitch. Like she is, she's not strong, independent woman. She's this annoying bitch who is a so opinionated, and she has all the wrong opinions, and she's just a fucking pain in the ass. Uh, I was just coming around to our main protagonists in the film. The uh, the film decided to both get really cruel and just become a half baked Terminator ripoff for the rest of the runtime, or pretending it's far more clever than it is. It's a shame because I was digging Robo Santa as our killer, but the rest uh, of this just didn't work for me. I'm starting to wonder if director Joe Bagos uh, VFW, which I liked very much, was a fluke. So there we go. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> didn't didn't di- didn't work for me, dog. That's all I gotta say about that one. <laughs> all right. Um, number seven. S- seven. Yep. Okay, so this was like probably the biggest disappointment for me. This is another one that I picked, and it was probably the biggest disappointment. Uh, Jezebel, nineteen thirty-eight. Oh, okay. Um, Bette Davis yep. was amazing. Her acting in this movie, amazing. I have nothing against her. I thought she was absolutely phenomenal. I just thought this movie was one of those fucking ridiculous, like, um, like women conforming, like mm-hmm. propaganda bullshit. Because um, starts off with this uh, woman, Je- the the Jezebel. <laughs> uh, starts with Bet um, being this uh, free spirited, like. Um, says what she wants, does what she wants, like very uh, uh, strong-minded. Mm. Um, they say stubborn, but um, she didn't seem stubborn in the movie. Like there was something about her that was stubborn. Like it was just more her wanting to be her. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't even bad. Like she literally just didn't want to follow um, the trend. Like she didn't want to follow along in other people's footsteps. She's she just wanted- very uh, sexually aggressive and like driven to do her own thing she was just like going against societal norms for yeah she walks to the beat of her own drum is that how it goes yeah that that no that that is actually the perfect saying there yep yeah so it's just her trying to be her like her trying to be who she wants to be she doesn't want to be um a housewife she doesn't want to be like the the fucking yes man or yes, Mister, whatever person she wants mm-hmm. to be independent. She wants to be her. So, um, it starts off great. Starts off her just having a partner, our fiance, mm-hmm. who loves loves the fact that she's stubborn and hard headed. But of course, it's I love you, but you have to change. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't love her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she decides to show up at a party wearing a red dress because she really wanted this red dress. Mm-hmm. And uh, people just start staring at her. And then the husband, when she realizes that she's like, this is a time where she's like, shit, I fucked up. Instead of just letting her walk away and not making a big scene, the fucking fiance grabs her and forces her to dance. And everyone is all disgusted by this woman because she's not wearing white. And um, it was just showed this level of abuse because 
people who do stuff can take risks, realize that they fucked up and she wanted to back out. Would it would have been no harm. She mm-hmm. would have like walked in the front doors and been like, Hey, let's go. And it would have been fine. But he was like, no, I got to parade you around. I got to embarrass you first before I like set you off, mm-hmm. which really pissed me off. And then at the end, she's like, I'm going to go fucking get my fiance back because I'm going to go kill myself from helping the people with the yellow fever. Yeah. It's it's just you can't have a strong, independent woman running around the society at the end of the film. You got to kill her. You know, like that. That's the way you got to go. Just just showing you this while it's happening. That's my cat going in that bag. <laughs> All right, <go>. sorry. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no. The I like the film a bit better than you did, but like it mostly for Betty Davis because she's amazing. But like, yeah, the film it no, does Betty turn. Davis in, or Betty Davis. I always say Betty. Okay, I might be wrong. Yeah, it's fine. It doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, it, it just does it. It's racially, it's kind of bad because you know this is you know the the deep self. You know, and there's still a lot of very dicey shit going on in this film when it comes to the black actors and stuff. Um, but yeah, she just presents this, you know, the the typical thing they do in films around this time where it's like eventually she's going to learn the error of her ways or whatever, and she's going to conform to society. Um, although also the movie kind of shows us that she's not that great of a person. Like when she gets to be the person she wants to be, she's kind of a manipulative kind of spoiled child. Um, so either way, it's like, it's not doing Betty Davis any favors really. Um, but yeah, the, the film just kind of drops the ball by the end of it. It's just like, uh, okay. There's good stuff in it. Like I'd, I'd still say it's worth watching, but I, I can get why it get, went on your worst of list because it is super disappointing, especially when you look at her performance and you go, "Oh man, she's fucking awesome. This is gonna be, it's gonna be great. She's gonna kick ass." And then at the end, it's like, nope. It starts off that way too, and then I thought it was gonna be this moment where she's all sad because the fiance leaves, but then it's she doesn't do anything for like two years. I don't know. It gives gives me the same kind of the same feeling we had when we did uh, a couple of years back. We did uh, the law in her hands or whatever that one was. That one. Yeah, where it's like, oh, strong, independent female lawyer who has worked hard to become a lawyer and shit, and in the end, she gives it all up to be married to some fucking schlub. It's like, okay. Yep. And yeah. Where she's like, oh no, I shouldn't have tried. I'm I a woman. Have- yeah, why, why did I waste all those years, some of the best breeding years of my life studying in school when I could have been, like, popping out children? Yeah, it's, oh, God. Um, my number seven. Okay, Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 2022, David Blue Garcia. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, what if we copied some of the central ideas from the new Halloween sequels, but made them even worse? That's this. Oh, and we'll throw in some annoying social media types and kill them because that joke is so timely now, right? Fuck you. Don't get me wrong. This doesn't ruin my life or hurt the original film for me. I'm not that sort of person, but the fucking balls to be so pathetically awful is something worth mocking. You know, this would probably be better regarded if it wasn't a chainsaw film. Take Leatherface <laughs> out. 
make our killer much younger and with a different gimmick because fuck off with invincible 70 year old Leatherface and dump the returning final girl thing because boy, did they really fuck it up here. Then you've got the skeleton of a serviceable chainsaw ripoff. Nobody would bitch as much as they have been because the dried shit stain of the already highly tarnished legacy of the franchise would be absent. But this, this is as it is, is just another blemish of the sequels and remakes. Only part two has managed to do what is needed to be done. Uh, Toby Hooper had a clear view of what the original was and what sort of movie it helped spark. The original was a bit of an art film disguised as a slasher. Part two had to be totally not that nobody else has really gotten that that truth since I think just farting out copies of what came before the first remake was unoriginal as hell, but not bad mind you, but the rest are floating in the toilet bowl alongside this latest stinky plopped to make a sad wake in the brown water. (laughs) That's a funny way. (laughs) You get clever with those. (laughs) Uh, You know, just, just another, another fucking asshole pretending to be a film critic online, you know? (laughs) Um, what are we at now? Four, Six. six, 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 six. Um, so, uh, my number six is Death Screams from 1982. Oh. It's so bad. No. I love it's it. It's so bad. It is bad, but I love it. It's so bad. That you're breaking, carousel. You're that breaking carousel my heart. sound <laughs> that never stops. I was re-listening to the, the podcast and I was like, there's two things I really liked. The intro where it says scream and the ah! goes on with the scream. <laughs> and then I, I forget what I said for the end. Um, or the ending. I think it was the ending. But anyway. Oh my God. There was that movie could have been like literally a short film and you would have been fine. Yeah. There was so much just filler in it. There was like the carnival scene where all the uh, booths were not even like, they didn't even attempt to make it look like anything like a real booth. There was just like a couple things thrown on a table, been like, yeah, mm. that looks like a booth. Um, there was such a lack of detail. There was such a like weird um, situations that happened. Like there was just so much, so long. It took so long for the, like the first or the second death to happen. Yeah. To like 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And then in the 40, between the 40 minutes was literally like the most useless point. And like I said, the carnival was like the dumbest thing to have because it didn't really relate to the murders in general. Like, mm-hmm. um, it was, there was no reason for the carnival. There was no reason to beat the carnival. There was nothing about the carnival that needed to be added, except for like the one murder that happened. And even then, that murder had nothing to do with anything. What about like, the kissing? Was, what about the kissing booth joke? Come on. The I, I I mentioned it like how I didn't. I hated the fact that they took a kid and she kissed the kid because mm-hmm. I thought that was really disgusting. Like that shouldn't be. Uh, but the joke, the kissing booth joke, was hilarious. Yeah. That's probably the second thing that I liked. <laughs> and that's all. Like, it was terrible. The movie was terrible. Yeah. The, was- I'll, I'll fully I'll fully admit it's it's totally nostalgia. And the fact that I saw it like 8,000 times on A&E when I was younger. That that kind of embedded it into my soul, into my DNA. I, I, oh, I, I unironically, I, 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 I unironically love Death Screams. <laughs> Or as I know it, House of Death. Oh, either way, 
it's house of boring and <laughs> death okay. of boredom. Death of house. <laughs> it was so uh, bad. <laughs> okay, uh, fair enough. Fair enough. I did see that you you did like uh, star it up or whatever, like it or whatever on the podcast uh, page on, the, on our on our Podbean site. Did I? Oh, I must have done that back accident. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, because it, it kind of got me excited. I was like, oh, maybe she's going to put this on her. Maybe she had thoughts. She she changed her thoughts. No. No. <laughs> no, she didn't. Not at all. No. She she was just as aggressive. Actually, probably. I, I was more aggressive on the, um, the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, you were. <laughs> okay. Uh, my number six, the Oracle from 1985, Roberta Findlay. Uh, oh, oh my I, God, I, yes! I, I feel, feel it's on your list too. Um, there is a 1970s grindhouse era charm to everything Pam Latesta is doing here as a hired killer, and she deserved a much better film. The rest of this is a messy horror subgenre mashup and a boring one at that for the most part. Good gore though, not one of Roberta Findlay's better efforts, which should say everything you need to know because even her better efforts aren't usually all that great so <laughs> but yeah the oracle the oracle sucked i uh it, it was a chore to sit through yeah it was absolutely garbage i well mine's coming up so i get to vent about mine mm-hmm. my, my thing uh your number five what's your five um my number five i'm gonna double check this because i got some pages open um Yes, I'm on the wrong one. My number five is Scream 2022. Okay. I figured out the killers, because you know how the first one had the killers. Mm-hmm. It seemed like it was one killer. Of course, I'm going to have two killers. And I figured out both killers within the first like few um, scenes of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like I don't even remember what gave it away for me, but... I just remember saying, I'm like, okay, it's the boyfriend and the best friend. Like, that's it. Like, I just, I forget because they, like, a lot of um, horror movies tend to, like, foreshadow. Like, they try to hint, but they try yeah. not to do it as uh, as obviously. Like, it's a little bit more subtle. I don't know what they did, but I right away was like, yeah, they're setting it up so that they're working together and they're the murderers. And um, I was right. And, again, it's one of those movies that tries so hard to, like, lean on nostalgia because mm-hmm. they had like Courtney Cox and um, what's her face? The other girl that's in it. Um, uh, Nev Campbell. Nev Campbell. And they had, uh, they had uh, David Arquette in there too, right? Yeah. They had, uh, I can't even pronounce his name. Skeet. Skeet Ulrich. Yeah. They had him. Like they had the, they had a bunch of people from like the original, the first oh, screen. They, movie. Didn't they have uh, oh, what's his name? The one he was one of the original killers, and he was supposed to be dead in the first one, but he was still alive. He was in jail that's, or something. That's Skeet, isn't it? No, that's that's not Skeet. No, that's uh, the guy who plays Shaggy in the Scooby Doo movies. Oh, him! I don't know. He wasn't in it, but Skeet was in it. He's one was of the killers. Was he? Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Skeet was one of the killers. All right, maybe I got confused on which one showed up. I I don't know. I'm just looking at what's here, but I can't. I honestly just, um, I just didn't like it. I, I just found they just played too hard on trying to revive something that I enjoyed Scream. I did enjoy Scream. I watched it when I was younger. So it's mm-hmm. kind of, um, for me, it's nostalgic, but they tried too hard. They really tried too hard to make it seem like they had parts where um, Nev and Courtney 
would make comments about how they're like too old and all this stuff and like things that happened in the past. And I was like, oh, fuck off. Like, just fuck off. They shouldn't even bother putting them in that. Or if they had, it should have been like um, some replay killer is going to go after them. Like, I don't know. I just did not like it. It was garbage. I, meh. Yeah, I I liked the first one all right. Like, we, we rewatched some of it on our vacation, right? Yeah, I liked yeah. the first one. The yeah. rest I just could care less about because I just kept trying to extend the idea. And eh, I had no interest. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're at the fifth one. And it just, it was just yeah. trying too hard to rehash something that once was to bring back nostalgia sick. Yeah, I got it with the first one. I was I was like, okay, this is fine. I don't need to see it over and over again. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's all right. Uh, my number five, The Osterman Weekend, uh, 1983, Sam Peckinpah film, although not really. Um, the Osterman Weekend at times does an okay job at playing on paranoia and surveillance state fears, but has little to say about it. The conversation, this is not. There's literally a suspense scene centered around the fact that John Hurt can't turn off his side of a video-to-video chat for some stupid reason, and it's clumsy at best. I like the actors, but everything else falls apart. What good is Dennis Hopper playing a literal cuck here when he's not going to freak out about it at some point? Do they think we buy Craig T. Nelson as a karate badass? He might have been in the director's chair, but this is no Peckinpah film. And that's my thoughts on that one. It's, it's a spy movie. It's, and it's not good. It's, it's kind of like, Oh, we think there's Russian spies and we're going to like get Rutger Hauer as a TV personality. who's friends with them to like, try to suss out if they're spies or not. And it's so convoluted and it sucks. It's, it's not good. Very, very bad. Hmm. You never need to watch it. Believe me. Yes. Sounds good. I probably won't watch it. Mm-hmm. All right, um, number four. Number four. Already there yet? Wow. Yeah, we're getting oh, there. Wow. Um, okay, so my number four is uh, Get a Job, uh, 2016. Mm, I don't know this one. It's garbage. Don't watch it. Okay. So it has Anna Kendrick, uh, Brian Cranston in it. Um, it has Miles Teller. Okay. Has, oh, Christopher Mintz Plaza. What oh, yeah. oh, Mc, McLovin. Yeah. It's got McLovin in it. It has Allison Brie in it. It has oh. like uh, Bruce Davison. Um, it has a ton of really good actors. That's why it's like so disappointing. Mm. Um, the movie is about these, uh, this couple that gets out of college and they just doesn't work for them. Like they can't figure it out. And um, I don't know. I just, I think they tried too hard to like make a movie with a message and it just seemed insulting. I, uh, I think I had about half an hour, not even, I had like 20 minutes left in the movie and I turned it off because I was like, this is (laughs) stupid. I I didn't even finish it. Like it was just, I, I didn't think it was funny. I didn't think, I think it was just stupid. The plot got annoying the the characters like the the older characters were doing the whole like rah, 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 back in my day like type shit and i just yeah. it was uh, it was just but then oh yeah that's right they tried to oh i forgot that anyways yeah there was like brian cranston who had like got fired and so he had to find a new job and he was going through the struggles of what was going on but either way i just could not get into it it was dumb it was uh, if, I don't know. 
it was uh, one of those movies that had what seemed like potential and just flopped. It wasn't fun. Was not fun. Definitely. There we go. Fun. Yeah. Uh, my number four. Watch out, we're mad. But this is the 2022 version of Watch Out, We're Mad. Oh, I was going to say, I'm like, that's such a good movie. Yeah, no. I, like, I, I that was, wouldn't be I your was, first time. <laughs> I was, I was, yeah, I was kind of hoping I'd catch you with that one. But um, this is directed by someone called You Nuts. That's literally what they're, they say their name is. You Nuts. Well, one word. Um, Y-O-U-N-U-T-S. Uh a direct sequel and somewhat remake reboot of the original due to it hitting many of the same beats. I feel like this had its heart in the right place. It features some fun fights worthy of the, its namesake and our leads are actually really good as the sons of our iconic duo. But man, this is just a reminder of why nobody else was, is, or can be as good as Spencer and Hill. There's a magic to their films, even the lesser ones that nobody else has replicated. Their films were also often pretty cheap and rough around the edges. This is far too slick and modern for its own good, even when it gets close to some of the goofy slapstick purity the Spencer Hill films embraced. Even if this does well, this was just an ill-advised venture. No amount of Oliver Onion's needle drops are going to make me change my mind and say, oh, what the hell, this is okay by me. They leave it open for a sequel, but I am fucking begging them here. Please don't waste people's time and make more of these. You want to keep Spencer and Hill alive and pay tribute to them? Get their fucking films on Blu-ray in North America with subtitles and English dubs. We've been deprived far too long, and these two fucking legends deserve to be loved as equally over here as they were everywhere else. Now's the damn chance to really get that North American audience that eluded them when they were originally making and running their films. But I digress. Avoid this. Seek out the original film and the rest of the Spencer Hill filmography. So there you go. Hmm. Yeah. You're number three, ma'am. You're going to love this one. So my number three is The Batman. Fuck you. It had such a large budget. That is why it made it so high up on my list. There are movies with less of a budget that did better. Um, it's uh, the relation or the, the, the chemistry between uh, Zoe Kravitz and uh, Batman is the most awkward, uncomfortable, like romantic relationship I've ever seen. Like th- their kiss is uncomfortable. Like it's it's not beautiful or anything. It's just ugh. they're dark and brooding '90s type anti-heroes. That's what. No, that's how it happens. That, two people that probably didn't want to kiss that got forced to kiss. And <laughs> it's such a small um, part of the film. Who cares? It just ugh, ugh. um. The rest I just couldn't see. It was just darkness the whole time. Like, I understand it's Batman, but there's some dark Batman movies out there that still used lighting that was the, <laughs> allowing me to see the what was going on. <gasps> the action that people would talk about being the amazing action. I'm like, what action? There was, there like was a bit good of a, action scenes. There was, a, there was a, like a, 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 a blink of an eye moment of some car chase that happened in the dark. Oh, calm down. When the dark, a dark vehicle on a dark road in a dark night. It was, and it was two, what, two and a half hours. And I, I just trying to stay awake. I was like thinking, I'm like, I can't nap right now. I paid this. I don't want to pay for a nap. <laughs> That's the only reason why I stayed up. Like it was just, oh it was terrible and holy fuck why on earth like everyone talks about the makeup being amazing for Colin 
Firth, but why the fuck did they even bother in the first place? Like, I don't understand what the point was. That someone was showing off their skills. I'm not saying they're bad skills. They were fucking amazing. But you could tell that it was makeup on his face because he couldn't move as well with it. And you could see it was a guy with, like, a lot of fucking, like, a mask, basically. Again, not I saying it was disagree. phenomenally done. It looked fucking fucking amazing. I am not insulting that person. That was, like, beyond amazing. But why? Why? It's not like Colin Firth is like this amazingly like sought after actor where we have to do it. Like Colin Farrell, by the way. Oh, sorry, Colin Farrell. My bad. <laughs> names. Um, but no, Colin, like a- Fir- Colin Firth is also an actor. You just is just the wrong one. Anyways, he's not like sought after. He's not something that I remember like a big anything. So it's not as if like they couldn't find somebody to do his part. Like I, I don't understand why they couldn't have found somebody who was older and to even still do the makeup to make him look like the penguin creepy. Sure. Sure. I'll give you, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. That's fine. That's that fine. I like bugged me. And that seriously bugged me the whole movie too, because it doesn't matter who you are and how good your makeup is. Like you're going to have difficulties moving in it because it's like a whole thing. That's not yours. And you could tell, you could tell there was moments you could tell. Um, other than the fact, like unless they walked outside, then it was like impossible because everything was fucking black. <laughs> It was, it was so boring. Hey, there was. I hate I it. I, I don't. I don't know why you hate good movies. It's fine. It's, it's I okay. don't hate. That's just. <laughs> it was awful. It was painful to watch. I was trying so hard to stay awake, and I. It didn't help that it was literally like an entire black screen the whole time. I was just going by audio, and it's not like there was a lot of audio. Oh, I'm not. Um, I'm not going to insult uh, Robert Pattinson as Batman, though. You better I not, because he's no. beautiful. He did a very good job. It was a a, a different spin on it because there's tons of different Batmans. There's different styles of Batmans. Um, anybody who gets angry at them not being Batman, um, you have to try and argue which comic book that you're thinking of because there is mm-hmm. the dark, like um deep whatever but there's different versions of him and um this one worked well i think he did good job he's excellent that is it hopefully they'll make a film hopefully they'll make a batman film with him in it that you like hopefully but i did think he did good did he do amazing no but that's because i hated the movie yeah all right break breaks my heart a little bit but you know sure um my number three, Firestarter from 2022, directed by Keith Thomas. Of course, Firestarter, based on the Stephen King book and a remake of the adaptation into a movie with Drew Barrymore. I wanted to like this, but this might be one of the biggest violations of King's source material since The Lawnmower Man. Even the TV movie Firestarter Rekindled was better than this, and that was trash. Uh, listen, I get why you don't want to keep John Rainbird, the Native American character, as a psychotic child killer who wants to see the life leave his victim's eyes, but couldn't you just make him a fucking white guy then? Hey, want to modernize, make him some far-right proud boy fucker and recast Charlie as a little black girl? That's fine. That would be a great way to do it. But here, 
Here they just decide to rewrite everything that makes King's story enjoyable. The decisions taken at the end of this film are fucking head-scratching. Where are my giant fuck-you-in-the-ass fireball kills? (laughs) Congrats, you made a movie that's worse than the new Texas Chainsaw thing. (laughs) That was my review of that. I like that. That was good. That piece of shit. All right. um, My number Two. two. Yeah. Ah, okay. Uh, this is one you already mentioned. Uh, the Oracle, 1985. Uh-huh. Um, all I could say is garbage. Um, yeah, it's garbage. The, uh, the storyline is stupid. The mm-hmm. antagonist is meant to be seen, like they're trying to hide it as a male, but it's very obviously a female. Yeah. Like the figure of the body, the face, all that stuff. And all they do is they put like a, vo- or a voice modulator. Mo- yeah, modulator. Yeah. Um, in order to change the voice. And it sounds like the most ridiculous, like, I am a man talking, like, a man. talking like this. And I sound yeah. ridiculous. Like it should have just <laughs> either done a voiceover, like entirely changed to like dubbed it with somebody else's mm-hmm. voice. Yes. Or just, not, or just not have him speak. Yeah, there's tons of times where we see movies with like, oh my god, Halloween. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Mike My- Mike Myers doesn't say utter a word, and uh, it works perfectly well. And he's been in there's a thousand movies that everyone wants to watch. Um, they could have done that. They could have just mm-hmm. not bothered with the voice. It's not like they talk much anyway. But uh, the first scene where she's like, "What's wrong with your penis?" and it's a vagina. Mm-hmm. Like, you knew it was a female. You knew it was a female. And again, it's just stupid. Like, even. Yeah. And, and my 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 biggest problem with it was the fact that, like, the ghost taking revenge made no sense. Like, it was killing people it didn't need to kill to take its revenge. Like, the whole like the whole thing is the ghost supposed to be directing our heroine in the direction of its killers. And it's randomly taking revenge on other people who have nothing to do with anything. Like the psychiatrist. Yeah. Like why? He's trying to help like in general. And it would be a better thing because it means that if, um, sorry, I have to sneeze. Mm. (laughs) Sorry. Um, literally if, uh, this person could tell people like, Hey, like what she's seen is real. Um, it could help her find the killer and other people yep. believe her, but they're no, the ghost is like, now nah, you're dead. And the, hu- the husband, boyfriend, whatever, he's a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. The best friend is a piece of shit. They're all like, you're crazy. You're crazy. The, you're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a bad movie. It's a very bad movie. And it was, it's, it's an attempt at a fucking Ouija board, um, knockoff. Yeah. Um, but they, they couldn't use a real Ouija board cause they'd be sued by Parker brothers or, whatever whoever yeah. owns the rights so they had that fucking hand thing yeah that that one that you get at like the <laughs> the religious section mm. in a, a paper copy store <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> fucking... oh fuck i was re-watching that episode or re-listening to that episode and i just go on to this <laughs> yeah, story you... of my life and my religion and everything like that and... yeah yeah was religion this was oh, the God. year this this was really the year of your rants too like oh. rants and side notes and just mm-hmm. the thing of like hey let's hear about lee's life um and my hate for romantic comedies um yeah yeah, yeah. so 
terrible fucking movie. Beginning yeah. to end. There was nothing about it that was good. The acting was terrible. The plot was terrible. The visualization was terrible. Because sometimes it was just fucking stupid. Like, they try to angle things in a way. The... Um, Supporting actors were assholes. The nothing was good. I just hoped everyone died in the end. <laughs> it was just awful. Like terrible, terrible movie. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was bad. Uh, my number two, Homeless for the Holidays from two thousand nine by George A. Johnson. I think I know what your number one is. <laughs> I, 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 it's not a hard guess um, <laughs> Homeless for the Holidays is about a short-sighted and greedy Christian wish.com Adam Sandler and his awful family learning the true spirit of Christmas thanks to being humbled by homelessness and God slash Santa Claus there's no doubt in my mind the film thinks it has good intentions but it's actually a low-rent Christian exploitation film masquerading as a Hallmark film that plays on the fears uh, milked toast conservative Christians have about the slumping economy and even worse, the end results, welfare and food stamps. The message is so ass backwards that I want to totally hate this, but I do have to admit that it does have some really entertaining side characters who take the material for a walk. The film really needed more of them and less of our main family. The unintentional comedy does not smooth over the cringe and the often wrongheaded messages in this film. The things I'll watch to guest on the Movie Melt podcast. I like the wish.com Adam Sandler. That's hilarious. Yeah, he totally is, too. If you look at pictures from this, he looks just like Adam Sandler, except for a little bit derpier. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. You're number my number one. one. So it almost did not make my number one because um, I had watched it before but i never watched it in completion like i mm. never watched it beginning to end so this is the first time full watch and it is that bad that even with that exception it still made my first uh, you know what it is <laughs> the polar express <laughs> yes 2004 it is the garbagest movie by the way i'm gonna laugh because you had like three christmas movies on yours yeah um, but it is terribly done like mm. The story has nothing to do with Christmas and like regaining your um, Christmas uh, spirit. Like it, nothing. The random sequences with the homeless guy who just pops out of nowhere, who's a ghost. You don't understand why he's there. Like yeah. maybe he's Santa. Maybe he is a child that died and grew old, even though he was a ghost. Maybe. Like, <laughs> and the conductors, like the same with the conductors and that fucking um, the servers dance thing that, oh! that, wild, that wildly out of place oh! horrific thing that happens yes that's uh the fact that they were trying to make some of the kids look cute and they look fucking terrifying they, they all like look like robots they, uh, everything's good everything's dead-eyed the most life in any eyeballs in this film came from the fucking uh, reindeer or whatever on the tracks of the caribou where the fuck they were the caribou the ca yeah. where the fuck are the caribou for why do we have caribou all of a sudden stopping the track like <laughs> you, you think they'd have the street line streamlined a lot better like the tracks would be above the land and they'd have a straight line to the north pole but no it's got to take every goddamn twist and turn you can think and of go in water mm -hmm. it's stupid like <laughs> this movie sucks it sucks so bad it's so, it's so, how is it even a Christmas movie other than the end with like fucking Santa Claus? Because even when you think about it, like the whole part, the whole train ride isn't really Christmas related. Mm. 
They're going to talk no. about Christmas spirit, Christmas spirit. You don't have Christmas spirit. You don't believe in Santa. You mentioned half the kids didn't seem like they even didn't believe in Santa and Christmas. Like it was seemed like a lot of them kind of did. Like it was supposed they to be for did. doubters. Yeah, it was supposed to be for doubters. And it was just that, it, was, it was just our one protagonist, that little asshole kid who made more trouble than he was worth, who got them in bad situations all the time. Like he lost the ticket mm-hmm. and then went back to his thing. And instead of like, what was the purpose of going? To, and then have you noticed afterwards how it was so easy to like change train car? Yeah. After that situation, it was like the easiest thing in the world. Could've it was just that right one scene where he's like, yeah. oh, no, I lost a ticket. And uh, then the thing where he like puts the fucking Christmas bell in a pocket with a hole and you knew there was a hole in it. Like we were both like, oh, that's the one with a hole in it. Mm-hmm. Like, make sure you keep it safe. And you drop in a big fucking bell in a house coat. You would feel that. You would even feel it drop. Like you would even know because the hole was so fucking big. His hand went right into the pocket. Like. <laughs> yeah, it's so bad. And I didn't even try. Like there was more trying than this movie. And it's and it's and it's really jarring. Like you mentioned the uh the waiters who come out in that dance sequence, that and when we finally see Santa Claus, who's like nine feet tall, and he's not as well animated as the rest of the characters in the film, so he looks like there's the real uncanny valley shit going on where it's like, What the fuck is going on here? This I don't see how any kid would like this movie. It's horrifying. It's like, terrifying. It is, it's a thing of nightmares. It's the it's worst, so most wrong-headed fucking Christmas movie I've seen in quite some time. Uh, you wanted me to read my review since we're both sharing our number one here, basically. I'll, I'll just read I'm my... Gonna- I'm going to do a really quick point, too. The idea of, like, Tom Hanks doing so many different voices, too. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, they had one, and then they just lowered his voice for Santa. And then the other guy speaks again, where he's trying to do a different voice. Yeah, it's bad. Like, don't bother. Anyways, yeah. Definitely read your yeah. so, in So, Polar Express 2004, Robert Zemeckis. In a specific context, this is one of the greatest uncanny horror films ever created. (laughs) Unfortunately, it was not intended to be. This is a cursed film that should be avoided unless you love the cold, dead eyes of every character attempting to find purchase in your mind, haunting your nightmares forevermore as you shuttle with them to the frozen hellscape of eternal night. It's also just a terrible story with terrible characters and an overall shitty message about faith in Santa and faith in general, too, if you read between the lines, and all of that other nonsense we should all grow out of, but mostly do not. Don't get me started on the countless peril-by-numbers roller coaster ride half this movie is, as if it was created with the sole intent to make future theme train rides out of it, which it was. And yeah, that movie sucks. And we, <laughs> we got Mercy Beers in the chat saying, good morning. It is good morning for him. Actually, it's morning for us, technically. Yeah. It's 2 a.m. for me, 3 a.m. for you. So yeah, morning-ish. Yeah. Morning-ish. Morning. But we have good, good morning to you, Mercy Beers. Hope you're doing well. Um, yeah, but, it is the... the my God. It's the shits. It's it's the dribbling shits. It's, it's such a terrible fucking monstrous creation. That should never have been conceived of or done, but they did it, and it's out there, and it's a horrifying artifact of, like, usually something this horrific would be made low budget in some obscure place that no one's ever heard of, and it would, like, pop up here and there in, like, tape traders, collections, and stuff like that. But no, this was a mainstream film released to theaters. 
with a budget released to theaters with stars in it. And it's how it did not kill careers. I do not know. <laughs> oh my God. It's fucking, it's, it's, it's bad. It's so it's bad. painfully bad. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's cringeworthy. Like I, I had, I watched it by myself. I wouldn't have even turned it on and I would have never watched this movie again. Unless um, the only reason I did was because I wanted to like, show you the terribleness of this movie. Yeah, you want you wanted to share your pain with me. You wanted to I didn't even want... finish it the first time I watched I didn't even finish it. Like there wasn't even a full time watch for me the first time I watched it. Like this is my full time first watch. Um oh this... Mercy Mercy Pierce asked, are we talking three headed shark attack? No. Three headed shark attack is far better than the Polar Express, which is what we're talking about right now. This is um like the last two so the the oracle and this movie are of all the years that i've done um the top and bottoms are the literally the two tops mm-hmm. like of all of them the polar express by far like even oracle had some moments of like laughter and they didn't have they have a very little budget this is a movie that had a fucking budget like this yeah. is the reason another reason why i made it so high on my list too like let's say it was a little bit better um no it had a fucking budget it had yeah. a huge fucking budget it had people that they knew what they were doing they had actors that knew how to act it had like all the fucking ability and technology available to them at the time and this is the crap that they came up with like this had, is what they're had, like it had robert zemeckis the guy responsible for the Back to the Future films, the guy who's responsible for most of our fucking respective childhoods growing up, and he made Polar Express. And uh, Mercy Beer says, Polar Express, I thought it was biologically impossible to hate Tom Hanks. No, it is not. Watch it. Just watch it. Yeah, it's- I... This is... Well, here's the thing. You watch it. You're not watching Tom Hanks. You're watching his soulless husk talk to you in many different forms. In many different forms, trying to lure you to some dark, dark place where tentacles will rape you. It's like th- this is this is this is HP Lovecraft does Tom Hanks. Well, at least if it was like tentacles, then there'd be some sort of pleasure in it for me. But there wasn't any pleasure, so don't insult tentacles. Okay, well, <laughs> spiked, spiked tentacles. Then maybe uh, tentacles. I don't know. Uh, it just. Man. It just can't understand like they 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 recorded this they did this they edited it they added music they added voiceovers they added everything they created it they put a screening for it and then they're like yeah let's do this they know what they did that's the thing they're criminals they're actually criminals how do you get through like the first fucking scene where the conductor's yelling at the child being like get on the fucking train (laughs) he's screaming at the kid Mm -hmm. to get on this friggin train and then we get to the next point where he just to the next kid and the, the, the fucking conductor is the nastiest person who's like mm-hmm. you absolutely need your ticket when he's the one who's giving them the tickets and they didn't have tickets when they first arrived on the bus he just magically appeared to give them to them why the fuck did he not just keep them on him we would yeah. have that stupid ass scene of him being like oh I'm going to walk over and give this ticket but then I realized I lost the ticket and I'm no longer to go walk over like what was the point of bringing the ticket in the first place it's we need to there stop talking. There was a reason for that. We okay. need to stop talking about the movie. It's it's horrific. It was a terrible movie. Um, I do have a question for you. Okay. Uh, re-listening to all the the, the podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, which one was uh your favorite rant? 
of my out of your out of your rants. Yeah. Oh my god. Man, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of the. I'm trying to separate them <laughs> in my mind. Oh god, what was it? It was a recent one. It was fairly recent. It was. It was a couple episodes back. Oh, it might have been on. It might have been on our "I Spit on Your Grave" episode. I'm pretty sure, because you were get you were getting into. I I, I I think you were getting into like your past with like some s- sexual abusey things. Probably. Pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was it. Like you've had funnier ones, of course, where they're just about funny shit, but. Uh, I, w- I always like it when you, you know, go deep and get, get a little <laughs> personal. Yeah. So, but yeah. My, uh, I think my favorite one was, um, was The Office, or not The Office, the, uh, it has Steve Carell in it, but, um, uh, 40 Year Old Virgin, where I went from like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went good... to these like layers. It just kept happening. Where I was yeah. Like, and it- and this, and yeah, you this. you you really, yeah, you really went off on that shit. <laughs> Ripped it apart. <laughs> and um, I also uh, discovered this year um, my hate for romantic comedies. Mm-hmm. And every time I watch one, uh, every single fucking time, except for one movie, I like literally said, "I fucking hate this movie. It is so fucking bad." <laughs> yeah, I think I think the only good experience we had with romantic comedies this year is when we watched Mambo Italiano, right? Yeah. That was last year, wasn't it? Was it last year? Yeah, that was last Man. year. Fucking COVID just blended like three years together, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, that was quite the year. Quite the year of venting. Yeah. Like, yeah. Ho- hopefully, <laughs> hopefully this, hopefully this next year will be a little bit more positive. I don't even understand. I was kind of on the podcast, just like. Let me say something. <laughs> no, I, I was I was telling you I was telling you the other night. It's like I I do enjoy the fact that it's like it it seems like a really good outlet for you where it's just like you don't get to do this stuff in person or in public or anything. It's like, but you have the stuff like sort of like stuck in the back of your head, and then it just jumps out because you have the <laughs> you have the forum to do it. Where it's like I'm the only one really watching you do it live, and then you know. Who cares what the listeners think? The fuck them people. You know, the, I'll never see them in real life, other than like you know, other than like Vaughn once in a while, you know, there's something like that. Anyways, wonderful year. There was a lot of uh, mm-hmm. a lot of great podcasts. Um, it was definitely fun going through them all, kind of listening back to uh, a few of them. Like we had some quite the entertaining year. We did, we did, and uh, I'll I'll reiterate. I, I have told you this in private, of course, and uh, I, I'm sure I've mentioned it on the pod- podcast once in a while as well, publicly. Uh, you are uh, an incredible addition to it, uh, incredibly valuable addition to it, and has made the podcast better by your presence. So, again, thank you for being my partner on this show and being the new official co-host. Now that, you know, Daniel and Paul and stuff are very much like just here and there, they'll show up kind of thing. But uh, it's been very, very good. Very, very different as well. And uh, plenty of people have, you know, uh, our peers in podcast land have mentioned, like, I really like the way the show has turned with with Lady Lee, giving her perspectives and uh, the stuff she talks about in her 
her thoughts on movies and stuff has really changed the dynamic of things and made the show uh, better in some ways and definitely more interesting. So there you go. People like you. I'm not blushing. Of course not. No. Not, not blushing at all. What? Why, why would you blush? I'm not blushing. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I appreciate you inviting me onto the show um, two years ago. Yeah. It's been a couple of years. Yeah, two years ago. Yeah. Um, started all with uh, Faster Pussycat. Kill Kill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. My first episode. And uh, it's always hilarious because when I make recommendations, and you're like, I've done that before. I'm like, well, there's 200 episodes. <laughs> of <course. laughs> I, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I mean, I did, I did, I did throw the idea to you a little while ago that you know, if you if you wanted to do intermission episodes of stuff we've already covered, where basically I just sit and listen to you like talk about the movies, and and then I'll you know chime in and bounce off bounce off you a little bit on on here things here and there but it's like if you want to do intermissions where you you know hey lady lee's now doing these movies that we already did and here's her thoughts like i'd be totally on board doing that it's fine it's like mukbang but movie talking yeah <laughs> there you go <laughs> But man, this is this is a uh, we're we're like a even when I edit out like the uh, the dead air and, and and stuff like that, this is gonna be a three hour episode. This is gonna be the lot one of the longest ones we've done in a while because I got to add mu- add music to it and stuff too. So uh, it's the New Year one. It's yeah. usually pretty long. Yeah, it's usually pretty long. Well, we would have uh, had the the other one would probably would have been longer had you recorded it. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me of that. That's... <laughs> That's 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 awesome. That's awesome that you reminded me of my failure. What are best friends for? <laughs> I, guess, I guess. I guess if if you're not around to keep me honest, that would be pretty bad. So yeah, it is true. That's why there is a gap in our best of worst of. If you look on the Podbean site, but um, so yeah, New Year, new us stuff's going to happen. Who knows what's coming up? quite next we'll we'll figure that out you, we you have guys a movie will. we have that movie that we still have to do yeah we gotta be, we gotta do the shadow that that's probably gonna be on the on the forefront we gotta have to talk to mr matt anderson who uh, i'm gonna try to get as a guest for that and we'll we'll get that done and uh yeah uh lady lee tell people they can find you on the interwebs um i can be found on the internets um on my OnlyFans. No, I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, Mighty Tiny All Star on Instagram. Um, that is it. Or I guess I'm around on Facebook, but that's not that exciting. Oh, there's no updates on there. That's pictures of you. It's that's pretty good. Um, Sometimes. All the time. Uh, you can find us at tmbdos.podbean.com. You find all of our episodes. Go to the Facebook group. They must be destroyed on site on Facebook. Best way you can touch with us. Give us movie recommendations. Give us criticisms. Give us praise. Get down on your knees and just just worship us as the god and goddess that we are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, or, yeah, or whatever. You know, just shoot the shit with us. That's fine. It's, 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 <laughs> It's, it's cool stuff um, but yeah we're gonna get out of here and until next time thank you Lady Lee uh, thank you thank you yeah and thank you all for listening bye bye
Bye. to TMB DOS. They must be destroyed on site. For further episodes of this podcast, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. We're also on Apple Podcasts and pretty much any podcatcher that you can find. Thank you. Drive through.